unfortunately, uh, one of the people we actually interviewed uh, passed away recently, Jacob Denelt. Jacob Denelt. And uh, he was a very uh, fun guy to hang out with um, at the Full distributed of, markets. Full of zazz, man. That oh, yeah. guy was crazy. I loved him. Yeah, he was, uh, he was a lot of fun uh, talking to, but uh, fortunately, uh, he passed away uh, like a week or so ago. About a week ago. Yeah. Uh, Jacob, you will be missed. I hope they accept Bitcoin in heaven. And uh, we will miss you. Thanks so much for the time. It's Michael Tidwell and Michael B. Casey. Block time. It's block time. This is Michael Tidwell. And this is Michael B. Casey. And today we're joined by our guest, Chris. Chris, introduce yourself again, even though you've been on our show. Okay, well, thanks for having me back. My name is Chris Leeshel. Uh I go by Cletus a lot on GitHub and Twitter yes. and whatnot. Yeah. And thank you so much for joining us again for another podcast. Appreciate it. Yeah. And we are at so the this bar. So is, this, is, of course, is not an interview. Out. This is a guest host format. Oh, yeah. So definitely. he's a peer. So um, we, can, we are free to give him any amount of shit we want. So. Yeah, definitely. please do. <laughs> please do. Anyways, uh, <clears throat> so kind of unstructured podcast, talk about whatever. I personally did want to talk about uh, transaction malleability in SegWit, kind of in detail, a little bit technical. Yeah, you were hammering me on this. And you were asking me all sorts of things. You kept going deeper yeah. and deeper and deeper. And we got to a point where it was like, okay, I, I, I can't explain to you exactly why. I got, I got as far as, okay, you can't trust the transaction ID. Because you can, you know, if you malleate it, you can create another transaction ID for the same transaction, and it's no longer the same one, so you can't reference that transaction. And then you said, "Why is that a problem?" And I was like, "Okay, I don't know, <laughs> but but it is." You know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's like there's like a video. Uh, who are the guys who did uh, the first like talk on Lightning Network? It was like some white guy and some Asian guy. I forget their names. Joseph Poon. Yeah, Joseph Poon, and who's the other I love guy? His name. <laughs> Who's the other guy? Because his name is Poon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, what am I supposed to say? I don't know. I just, if you want to ask us if we want to. Eat. Would you like anything else? Uh, we're good right now. Thank you, Jasmine. Okay, perfect. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. The lovely Jasmine. Okay. Um, Anyways. So, what'd you learn with uh, the the oh, sorry. the poon video? Oh, I actually, I don't know if I saw that. No, one, no. I, I, so, all right. So, first off, I'm not even talking about Lightning Network. I just know them because in 2014 or so, or 2014 15, they came up with like the, I would say like the official Lightning Network intro video of like how it works with like Alice and Bob and stuff, and uh, it was really educational. But I would say. Who, all right, who who's the other guy? Joseph Poon and I don't remember. Was it all right? Anyways, the two of them. Is Joseph I know Rusty Russell's the guy who's heading it up at Blockstream? All right, Joseph Poon's exactly. the white guy. No, he's the Asian guy. Of course, his name's I mean, Poon. Yeah, but I feel like the white guy's. <laughs> I feel like I, I feel like the white guy's more popular. I feel like you'd know his name over. Jason it's not Poon. Rusty Russell. It's not it? Rusty Russell, is it? I don't know. That sounds like you, a fake You guys name. know, by the way, who Rusty Russell is? Dude, he's like a famous Linux he's developer. He's very famous. Yeah. He invented a thing called IP tables. Oh, really? Yeah, and also oh. IP chains as well. Oh, cool. I'm, yeah, no, I mean, yeah, I, I, from everything I've heard, the guy has legit credentials. The guy is much, yeah. Yeah, Paul Russell. Goes by Rusty. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, he's. Uh, I think he's Australian, if I'm not 
mistaken. You know what's so funny is, uh, and okay. this happens occasionally, like it's... you'll have no idea of a guy's nationality, <laughs> and then you hear him speak, you're like, oh my god, he's English! It's, like, <laughs> it's so weird. Okay, okay. It's, it's like it's... everybody on The Walking Dead. But, but that's the thing, is like, and you talk to them like over type for forever, but it's all text, so you have no idea of their mm-hmm. accent. Do you hear him talk? You're like, oh my god! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, so the other guy's name is Taj uh, Dryja. Oh, well, yeah, that's definitely a white guy. No, I'm just saying, Todd is doing, He, I think he does more content than Joseph Poon. So, okay. anyways. I, I don't know Todd's treasure. Yeah. I don't even but know why. Obviously, they're very prolific, smart people if they came up with the Lightning well, Network. Well, Todd has a specific, I think, like, in 2016, he came up with another, uh, or he, he has, like, a segwit, uh, like, here's why, this is what transaction malleability is, and here's how segwit fixes it kind of video. I'm still a little bit confused. So, oh, by the way, I talked to Eric Martindale about this today. About what? Uh, uh, transaction malleability and SegWit. Okay. And uh, he said hi. So he's oh, like, man, uh, I love that dude. Yeah. Yeah. He's, I love that yeah dude. You, you both, you both have good things to say about each other, always. So, um, so Eric, you know, it was it was cool. Eric was uh, really helpful. So we're like looking at like a individual block. Um, and you know what? Mike, even though you might not be able to see it, I'm going to bring up a block on, like, blockchain.info. And uh, kind of, like, I want Chris to kind of talk, or I want to ask Chris a specific question about a block. So, for instance, right now I'm on blockchain.info. I'm looking at block four, 459,105, okay? And uh, we'll skip the Coinbase and go to the first uh, transaction. It's a, It looks like a normal one input, two outputs, right? All right, let's look at the script. So uh, here's the script of the input and the output. So uh, I'm just going to copy this input script and go to like a character count website just to see. Uh, so it's 211 characters. Okay. Yep. All right. So let me ask you. When SegWit is enabled, what, like, is that count going to go down significantly? Like, is that the point? Yeah, the it will go down because <clears throat> because uh, the signatures will not be located in the script sig, which you're looking at there. Yep. Um, that's the unlocking script. That's one half of the entire, uh, basically, the one half of the script that has to be run on every transaction. Okay. So it's, so about half of that input data is the signature information more than half but yeah there's the two parts i'm just thinking of the two parts so the okay. signatures take up the lion's share of the transaction and when we say the lion's share of the transaction we're talking about specifically just the input part exactly yeah the okay. scripts, what they call the script sig or the unlocking okay uh, and trans- and what all right so i was talking to eric about this in detail and we were almost getting a little fuzzy where we had to look back at like some other reference material um now, for for an input with one signature, or or is this, or is it really not matter? Because you could, I mean, I guess it doesn't matter. Multi sig, one signature, whatever. Um, or it's, does yeah, that it's matter? The unlocking script. That yeah. that's the part. That's the witness that gets segregated. Right? Yeah. Right. So, all right. So, and we're talking about what kind of ratio? All right. So when that gets segregated out of the input transact or the input. Uh, how much smaller is this going to be on average, or or is it very hard to estimate? No, it's easy to estimate because the each signature is between seventy two and seventy four bytes, and you can look at that that 
transaction there, it's probably in the neighborhood of 230, 226 bytes or something. You're talking about the character count? Yeah. So this is 211 right here. Okay, that's just that's just the unlocking script or the script sig. Mm-hmm. And you can tell, like, that's the majority of the transaction right there. So if you take out the... Well, it's also got the input, right? The, See, input, the input address and, and the, the unlocking script. Yeah. See, I'm yeah. confused exactly. when you say the majority of the transaction. Because when I think of a transaction, I think of the outputs as well. Exactly. The outputs are very small in comparison to the the script sig, which is inside the input. Does, okay. that make, does that make sense? Yeah, because these outputs, for instance, are much smaller. So are, are you talking about this right yeah, here? Yeah, those are just destination yeah, addresses, the out- yeah, right? So, that's the output script. That's yeah. also called the locking script. So, so you're saying these two together are much less than all this? Exactly. Now, you can see that right there. Right? W- would you say that this, like, let's say I copy and paste one of these outputs, and these are about the same exact length? And go here, paste it in here, get a character count of eighty-six bytes. Well, no, that's that's not in code. That's actually showing you the actual byte, um, the uh, op codes. So fifty-eight. Need, yeah, each op code is one byte. Yes. So see how it says op dupe and then op hash one sixty-two. Oh, 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 oops, so it's, it's oops, made oops, verbose. Oops, so yeah, you can read yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I accidentally didn't cut up. So, so forty. Probably, yeah. So even, probably so, even less. Probably thirty-four bytes or something. Well, like that. this this one's forty. Okay. So so and there's two outputs, so that's about forty per. So yeah, we're looking 40, at forty per output, yeah. So we're looking at about eighty bytes used for outputs. Right. And then the rest used just for that input. Exactly. Okay. So yeah, I'm starting and, to get a better and a, picture. And a portion of the input is also gonna be part of the transaction because you have to know where the funds are coming from. Yeah, so you don't course. you don't need you don't need any of the unlocking script other than the fact that yes it came from here so you know where it came from where it's going to and how much right so you can see how removing the signatures from a transaction can save you a, a ton of huge space. amount of space right yeah so 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 with this transaction specifically we're looking at about 211 bytes for the input 80 80 bytes for the output uh and about 291 bytes total for the entire transaction. Does that seem right to you or no? Yeah, that sounds about right. Okay, so we're looking under 300 bytes for a transaction. And then you're, simple one, yeah. and then you're saying, yeah, for a simple one input, two output transaction. Now, for that one input, the 211 bytes, I'm sorry, how much do you, how much do you think that will go down to? It'll probably go down to less than 40. Okay, so, so we're looking at transactions from about... 291 bytes going down to about 120 bytes, right? Yeah. You'll, okay. So, no, yeah. okay. And th- these are these are your typical transactions where you have one input and two outputs. That's yeah. like how all HD wallets yeah. work. And, well, no, or, uh, or not all HD wallets. Sorry, like how like most wallets. Uh, now, now keep in mind though, you're you're not getting rid of it. You're just moving it somewhere else. Yeah, you're just you're uh, you're segregating it. To exactly. Part. I yeah. want to talk about that too, but this is but but. But that other information... Okay, yeah, let's talk about that. that is, well, so, so that, uh, that's one thing, though, because this introduces a new concept of, of what is the definition of a full node. Is a full node a node that contains all of the witness data and all of the I, transaction I, I data? Would say, I would say... I would, all right, so is the argument after you validate it, you don't need to hold on to it? Well, I mean, it can be pruned if it's trusted. You know what I mean? Because once you download it, you can, you can... Is this my water? I don't... I don't... Well, I just drank from it. Whatever. All right. Um, I think that's mine, but that's okay. <laughs> Go ahead. Fuck. If if you care. can, I don't have a cold or anything. If you can, uh, Bitcoin germs. <laughs> All right. Low yeah. stamp germs. <laughs> if you can prune it, like so, if you can download it, what what that means is you can you can verify, it, run the script, and then immediately ditch it, and you still have everything there. 
for the actual transaction flow because you verified that those transactions were legit through the witness. You no longer need the witness data. Yeah, each each full node has a memory pool, so it's receiving most, if not all, of the transactions. You know, barring the Coinbase transaction for all the blocks out there, right? It's it, you know there's there are exceptions like the miners put their own transactions directly into mm. blocks and whatnot, but for the for the majority of full nodes, they have validated that transaction already. But, but what that signatures. means is your full node cannot be used to bootstrap another full node. No, you can you but you can hold on to the trans the segregation data. You yeah. can hold on to that separately, so, or you can hold on to it within. See, you know, the this same is blockchain. where you know a, a segregated prune node. Uh, I kind of refer to just kind of as a half node. <laughs> it's not a full node exactly, right. but it's not like not a full but, node. But that yeah. but that node would also at one point validate. All right, so yeah, we, yeah, it would validate itself, I, I would, but it couldn't help anybody else validate. So, so Chris, would you say one aspect of a full node would be that at, at least one point in time it did validate the transactions? It's it's uh, relaying. Yes, more or less. If now you got to remember, even if you even if today, which we don't have segregated witness, right? Even today, if you actually start up a full node at at from the Genesis block up. You're not validating every single transaction as you move up the blockchain. Why not? Because that's not how it syncs. It, it, it uses checkpoints and it, it doesn't actually go into the block and start going, okay, this is valid, this is valid, this is valid. It doesn't do that. It just simply downloads the block from its peer and then it adds it. And it, as long as the Merkle tree root um, can stack from hash up, to hash yeah, to hash. From to hash, hash to hash. hash. Now, Remember that the, the Genesis block is hard coded into the Bitcoin software, right? So as long since that's hard coded, you can actually programmatically and mathematically guarantee that every block that's stacked on top of it, all the transactions from within that block are valid, and that every block on top of that block is also valid. Because otherwise, the ashes wouldn't line up. Yeah. Right. You don't need to validate every well, well, single. I mean, it, it kind of gets to the point of can Bitcoin work? Because then you're you're trusting that the miners have been you know, doing their job as far as building on top of a valid chain, right? right? That's right. Essentially, yeah, you're, you're trusting that proof yeah. of work has been maintained the entire time. Yeah, right? I that, mean, that's the part you're trusting. I mean, otherwise, but I mean, you have to validate the whole thing yourself, right? But you would, you would, I mean, you would definitely hear about it if proof of work suddenly stopped working. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, suddenly we're just creating new blocks out of thin air without any work. You know, but right, right. so I, I, you know, that 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 I think is not a trustful issue, right? Because what'll happen is once we get, if we do get segregated witness. Um, the the blocks will be propagated with or without the witness part. And if you don't receive the witness part, you need to have the transaction in some form to validate that it's a valid you transaction. You hashes, can't just yeah. you won't just take it on faith that a block you're getting has hundred percent valid so, transaction. So who's gonna hold the history of the signatures Literally, and the witness? Well data. Mo- most people will. Um, like, you know, there will be there will be people that want everything. So right? but and, and just to be clear if you're going to hold all the witness data and the blockchain data, you still have to hold the same amount, more or less. Actually, more. You have to hold a lot more. Yeah, yeah. Okay, you actually, because you're holding like an anchor peg to like or a, or anchor point. So yeah, seg- segregated the, witness. If you keep both sets of data, is actually larger than. But how much larger? Because you have to hold a pointer to the transaction. I'm sure with the signature, right? That's right. it. Right. So There's so a, just a small reference pointer for each signature. Right, right. Okay. Exactly. But you got to remember what's in what's in Bitcoin D right now. What's in the the software in, in fourteen or zero point one four point zero is is not the full segwit. It's not what segwit's going to be. It's not the end result. There's going to be 
uh, further <clears throat> soft forks to come in and actually segregate that because right now all they're doing is moving the the signatures from this from the input and they're just moving it to a different location with within the uh, concept in mind and mo- later they're going to actually move that out. So right now they're sort so of right now a, they're separating. So it's like kind of like mitosis going on right now. Yeah, so this is the telephase. Well, I mean, final uh, in its final form, where will that data be held? Like, what data store? Like, will it be like a normal database or like? No, it'll be it'll be like it? an, it'll be like a binary blob that will be sort of uh, on request. You can get, hey, I need this. I need this transaction. I mean, does it really matter what data store people use for it? I mean, I'm sure there'll be multiple oh. implementations. Oh, you were asking like it'll be probably in level level DB. Like, will anyone just use like SQL database to hold their signature data, or is that just dumb? No, no, that's what Coinbase does. I they mean, use... you could throw it in anything you want, right? No, I'm just wondering if there'll be like an official implementation that Bitcoin Core will is planning on coming out with for nodes that want to hold that data. That's what I'm asking. Right? Yes, there will be. Yeah, okay. Yeah, definitely. Okay. I, I mean, this is very interesting. So that, that clears up a lot of information of like what we get uh, as far as the storage and like where, you know, data is going as far as SegWit. So that helps. I still... Um, yeah, but I mean, that's not the point of SegWit. I mean, that's no, like no. an ancillary well, benefit, right? I mean, yeah. are you assuming that's what I was saying? No, yeah. Okay. Well, I'm not. I'm saying, saying that's... Mike, I'm saying that's like... I'm glad we talked about that piece. Now I want to talk about the other pieces of it. Yeah, SegWit. Okay. I was trying to segue. You're trying to like... segue from segue? Is that what you're trying to do? Oh, right. no, no. I was trying to segue into the other aspect of segue. Uh, I want to talk about... Well, first, before we talk about like what segue gives you, I want to talk about transaction malleability. That's what I was segueing to. So segue <laughs> was actually designed not to save us <laughs> space. It was designed to solve transaction malleability. That's how I understood it, too. All right, yeah. man. <laughs> I, I can't win with you, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> okay it's like all right as i understood it the compromise was that segwit would also in addition to uh, transaction mailability it would also give us the uh the needed uh block size increase right well yeah i mean well blocks are full i mean that but i mean to, to me that's I'm, always been built as a side effect Right. That's like not what it's for. It's I mean just, oh to, by the way we could do that too. That's, i mean it's very misleading though if you want to hold that signature data well, I mean, yeah. I mean, it doesn't it doesn't affect increase anything if you want to hold the signature data. In fact, it, it's a minor decrease. But, yeah, I mean, but, it's, it's just yeah. it's just very misleading to say like, you know. Be, well, no. Well, so so. What I mean, I is, mean, as far as as transaction throughput, yeah, it makes sense. But as far yeah. as like total data held, yeah, total yeah. data held, you're totally right. But transaction yeah. throughput, that's the whole thing. Is it does allow them to skirt the one megabyte limit <laughs> because technically it's part not part of that one megabyte anymore. Well, yeah. that's the deal. But if people are were, were uh, I wonder. Or, well, all right. So is this? Let me ask real quick before we go to transaction malleability. How does this affect uh, validation time? Of, how, of how does transact? How does uh, using SegWit and tra- and validation time? Are it, does that change anything? It might not change anything. No, it does because there's. Uh, so I think it's BIP one forty three, if I remember right. It's it's the bit that describes what the motivations are in doing SegWit in the first place, and there's really uh, three or four things that it talks about. One of the one of the big things is, hey, it's going to solve this transaction malleability thing because you because you don't have signatures actually in the script sig anymore. You, you it's not possible to build a transaction that can spend the same inputs 
to the same outputs and have a different transaction ID. It's not possible, right? So that's the first and foremost thing that I wanted to do. But it also wanted to solve a thing called the quadratic problem that we have where quadratic hashing or of the yeah uh, quadratic hashing where yeah. uh the the way the way satoshi actually programmed the uh it's called a pre-image so there's when you actually build a signature it has to hash a message right i'm sorry it has to sign a message and so what we're talking about is you take a private key you take a message and you get a signature right those are the two inputs and you get a signature well what so the way Satoshi did in the beginning is uh, what would that message be? What are we signing? What message are we actually signing? Right. And it turns out that the way he programmed it is he, he took a series of hashes, uh, double SHA-256 hashes of certain elements of the transaction, like the version, it double SHA-256, that thing. It took, you know, the uh, end lock time. It double shot 256. So everything was basically double shot 256 concatenated together and then double shot 256 that thing, right? Yeah. So the more signatures you add into there, it basically turns out that you have like an N squared problem. Like, yeah. So because um, you have to shot 256 twice and then the yeah, whole yeah, thing and twice. It's concatenated and yeah. 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 So, so, think, so the number of values in there grows exponentially. <laughs> like, so it's like computation. You're saying like computational. Yeah, so if you're a programmer, think of a for loop that's inside a for loop. Yeah. Right? So it's it's basically big O of N squared, right? So, so what's the purpose of making signatures that way? Or, I'm sorry. Why do you do that? Sorry, uh, sorry uh, backtrack because I wasn't listening at the very beginning of this uh, point you're making. Uh, you're saying this is, you're just talking about like the origins of like how signatures yeah. came. Okay. I'm talking about how it, how it was like sort of devised in the beginning. Well, okay, it okay, turns okay. out that. There isn't any ability to uh, to retain any uh, intermediate hashing, right? You you can't do that. You have to basically everything builds on top of itself, right? These hashes they build on top of each other, so there's no way to sort of like um, store off or squirrel away any intermediate data, right? So you can just reuse it without having to rehash it. So that's what uh, BIP one forty three talks about. It talks about hey, what we're gonna do is we're gonna retain some of this work that we already did so we don't have to redo it and then we'll, we'll get around yeah sense. we'll get around the problem of the the quadratic hashing issue and we could uh it's, not it's have, like take 25 seconds very very to, important point though segwit does solve the quadratic hashing issue yes. but only solves it for segwit transactions still have yeah, regular need, transactions that are still subject to that but yeah, you, yeah. that's not an issue if you have the one megabyte block size you you need to change the serialization format of the transaction itself and then you can get around that problem. That's what Segwit and that's what BIP143 talks about. Right. Is, is doing it changes that. the order of operation for those things. Yeah. So, so yeah. yeah, probably first, I'm just guessing here. So it double shot 256 hashes every element and then takes those okay. and oh, then yeah. does whatever. Yeah. 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 <laughs> hey, sorry about that. I was a little distracted. All right. So who's, all right. So we're going to have to hold all like the Shaw, like you know how you're, we double hash stuff like, like twice. You're saying hold that intermediary data. Yeah. Now, why are we double hashing it in the first place? That sounds really stupid. That's a good question. And I think the answer... the, the Satoshi think, like double hashes, man. Yeah, Satoshi was really <laughs> paranoid about, hey, listen, if, no. one hash is, is one, if one hash is good, then two hashes must be even better. I mean, uh, is, that, is that true? Hash? No, that's true. 
That's, okay. that's, that's, okay. what, people, that's what people say. Well, I never know, talk- that's, I've heard people say he was not an excellent cryptographer. <laughs> He's like, no, he I was, mean, he well, was making assumptions about things that were not necessarily, you know. Yeah. Well, well I know, like, with, I, I can't remember if it's like AES or whatever. They do all kinds of stuff where you like double, triple. Well, yeah, you but know, usually that's different algorithms too. Yeah. Uh, you know, like with AES, I mean, typically when they do, they'll go through like AES or Serpent and you know, combination round robin those. Well, They're that, supposed yeah, to use the same one twice. That's that's actually hash. That's what's known as um, you're building a. Uh, have you ever heard of a KDF, a key derivation function? No, not in that context. Okay, but that's, that that's like what we're talking sense. about here. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> the theory is, is it say you have a passphrase that you want to. Um, Good. And your passphrase is, is the is the part of the security package that's the least secure, right? Because human beings just aren't very, they're very deterministic. They don't think random. We're terrible with entropy. Right. So I make up like monkey as my password, right? Well. It's a good password. You should use that. Okay. So how would I. I just knowing, hacked into his Gmail. Chris Schultz's password is monkey. <laughs> <No>. Monkey one <laughs> exclamation. Right. So with an O instead of the, or the <laughs> yeah. zero instead of the O, right? Oh, shit. Yeah, so, go on. See, so, see, like, someone listening right now is freaking out. They're like, oh my I'm God, sure. that's my password. <laughs> I, I, I use the term monkey all the time because it turns out that that is a very common password. Hi, can I get y'all anything? Uh, I'm, I'm I think, good. I think we're good. You. Thank you. Yes. Okay, the beautiful so, Latoya. So it turns out that if you if if someone knows, hey, this this guy probably has like a really easy to guess password or passphrase. What I'll do to protect myself from that is I will make this guy actually, t- for each guess that he has to do, I'll make the guy have to take shots 512 and have, make him do it like 20,000 times to get the actual um, hash that is that is used to decrypt my actual password. Does yeah, that make like sense? dedicated hardware. Most right. Like so that trivial, takes a long right? time. That yeah. takes a long time even for a pretty fast CPU at this point. Uh-huh. So that's that's called a memory hard function. That's like script. If you've heard of like Litecoin has a script yeah. for their uh, yeah, proof yeah, yeah. of work algorithm. Well, also BIP38 is stored with script. Uh, correct? Uh, yeah. I BIP, almost yeah. I almost wonder like, you know those 21 uh shot 256 Raspberry Pi boxes? Yeah. I almost wonder like if full nodes would just run like a little Pi connected with a usb cord and then you collect all the signature stuff and then you just use that to double hash everything to validate everything like somehow yeah i mean i mean i, I don't know i'm anyway, just thinking the, the, like <laughs> the point is like it the 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 quad hashing issue is sort of like the, it's dealt with by segwit as well there's a lot of things people don't realize that segwit is actually really going to be really nice so, uh, for, all right, so. so so all right sorry explain again how segwit fixes where i don't need a shot tooth 256 hash validate is because I'm not even having that in the blockchain. Serialization. So they, they change the order in which stuff happens. Right. So you can you can retain any intermediate work that you've done and not have to redo that um, as you're building the uh, the actual so, so if they double hash something and then store it in memory, then they now have it exactly. to go ahead and take that value exactly. in any other thing. They don't have to double but, hash But they again. could already do that. No, right no, it no, doesn't. Could, it could. doesn't do that now, and it's hard I'm coded. Sorry. I'm sorry. What's it? The protocol. <laughs> it's hard coded. Yeah, but in they the could, codes. Okay. Yeah, but they could still take that data and hold it somewhere else. No, because right now everything's built on top of each other, right? So uh, it's it's hard to explain without like drawing out the way the current TX is like serialized. So when you look at it, when you look at the actual binary or the or the hex dump of a of a transaction. What you get is you get, like, first thing is, like, the version number, right? So transaction version number one, right? 
Right. Okay. Then the second thing is, if I remember right, it's like the number of inputs, then the then input number one, then input number two, and whatever, however many inputs there are. And then, you know, there's serialization within the inputs. What I'm saying is that uh, the pre-image for this message that is going to be signed by your private key, uh, the only way they can get that done is if they hash the first thing, take the result from the from the version, and then use that and hash that with the second thing. You know what I mean? So you're building. And oh, you, there's, yeah, no, yeah. there's no way yeah. for you to parallelize yeah, that. Jason, Jason did a good job of explaining something like this when you're constructing a Bitcoin transaction. Right. It's the same. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. So they're just making it a lot smarter and they're basically making it so that it's all decoupled from each other. And so you can take any element and then it's an atomic. You don't have to then take it and hash it with something else. Right. right. Yeah. Okay. So that makes... that's, that's huge. Right. That's well, yeah, when, it's, it's a massive benefit. Yeah. We're talking about the BU guys and what they're trying. They're, they're talking about the same kinds of things, but they're, you know, maybe they don't realize that this, they've already, they already have an implementation. <laughs> Okay. Segwit is already kind of handled what they're trying to do. So, so I mean, well, so so I always differentiate between the two. Is there are two things. There is Segwit, which is an actual implementation that has been coded out, and then there is segregated witness, which is which is a concept. You know, and you could implement segregated witness that is not Segwit, but Segwit is by definition segregated witness. So, you know, it's one of those things where Segwit could be done other ways. This is the way that's been implemented. Yeah, yeah. And Adam Back talked about that when he visited um, our offices. He talked about how SegWit is actually a specialization on something called extension blocks, which I realize extension blocks has some bad connotations with certain members of the community. So I don't know what, what, is, it, what does that mean? Extension blocks. Is that like when you have the witness? Seg- seg- no, what does no that mean? not the witness. It's some, some other set of data put in another. It's a more generic concept. Right, okay. right. So he, he had this concept. Uh, and Peter Willow sort of um, took the concept and specialized on it, and that's what segregated this whole concept of segregating uh, data away from what is in that, what's in the block or in the transaction now. So, so extension blocks, I would say, are more generic. They could be any data. So you could just take instead Did of you say extended or extension. Extension. Oh, extension. Extension okay. blocks. Right. So. So the theory of with extension blocks before I heard about segregated witness, you know, as that whole vein was that um, it, you could take, you know, add additional block space just as a whole aggregate and put in an extension block rather than just having it all in one block and bypass the one megabyte limit that way. All right, look at this picture, Andrew. So this is, <laughs> let's say this is a transaction. Okay. And now that we, so before, like you said, everything had to be stacked. Yep. But with SegWit, you can like almost like plug and play these like pieces. Yep. And why is that better? Uh, because you can retain data, you don't have to. So I know if, we're backtracking a little bit, but oh no, yeah. I mean, yeah, sorry. Okay, you got to remember <laughs> okay. for every signature yeah. that is involved in the inputs, yep. it, it has to go through and and um, and build a pre-image, so it can sign the message, right? If I explain that right, because not. because are you saying like the signature so each, signs each piece of each this? Signa- yeah. Each signature has to go find its version. And then, you know what I mean? Yeah. Every single time, it has to go do the same step over and over again and then hash it and then take the result right. of that okay. and then hash that. So as, then, <laughs> yeah. so as the number of signatures increases, you get that, that double nest. You have that nested for loop action, right? Okay. So you, it, see, you see what I'm saying? So you have to do that for every every single input signature exactly. of the same transaction. So this All is right. the transaction version number, which is common to the whole transaction. You still have to go hash that for each input, yeah. Right? Even though it has nothing to do with the inputs. Okay, right. so so I, I guess I'm wondering. All right, let's say Segway is fully enabled. 
how how exactly do I validate blocks without that? All right. Well, that that, that just changes the order. It does the same thing. Yeah. Segway transactions, you end up with the exact same level of security as regular transactions. Uh, it just it just does them smarter, I would guess. I would, is that fair? It's a more efficient way of computing that stuff, right? That makes sense. Yeah, because okay, say say like you had three signatures, right, and they all had to sign every piece of data within there, like the version. All right, and, uh, and when we say three card. signatures, we're just talking about we have three private keys that we're pulling from to make this transaction. Three inputs. Yeah, right. Yeah, okay. You have three all private right. keys that need to generate a signature, right? I should have said that. That's probably better. You have three. You have three private keys that need to generate a message, so it can it can generate a signature, right? Yep. Okay. Cool. So for each one of those, it has to go through and, and look at the version, double shot to 56 hash that, mm-hmm. right? And then it has to go and look at the end lock time and has to double shot to 56 hash that, right? Can, and then it has, and it concatenates all can, that Can together. I ask a question? Yeah, go ahead. How come you can't just construct the entire transaction and do that one time? Well, that's what SegWit is kind of trying to do. It's trying to build that intermediate pre, pre-image hash. So that um, all three of those guys go. Okay, I don't need to. Jo- I don't need to again double shot two fifty six hash that piece of data. It's already been hashed by the first time. The first. This sounds key. really stupid. So, so here's the and thing. It's it's but, really but, not. But, hold on, hold on. I think you're getting stuck here. So here's the deal, right? Is it's fine if it's a hard fork. If if you wouldn't wanted to fix this as a hard fork, you'd be like, okay, done. We're going to rewrite that. They're yeah. trying to do it as a soft fork, which no, is much harder. No, that's fine. I'm just trying to understand it still. I just want to make sure I understand it. Uh, so, so technically, like if if you did want, to, so if you did want a hard fork, though, you, you could do just, want a hard fork. You just change the opcode and be like, do it this way now. Well, well, you wouldn't even need to change the opcode. You just need to say like, I'm just want to sign this one time. I can sign the whole transaction once, right? For once, for one private key, yeah, you can yeah. do that one time, yeah. But but oh, you know, you always e- have even multiple, even or, you know, even even with. Well, not always. Well, quadratic hash. What I'm saying is the quadratic hashing function is never a problem with a small number of inputs. It's only a problem when you have a very large well, number of inputs. Let's right? say let's say you have like ten inputs. Well, I mean, well, I, I think it starts to break down when you have like hundreds, right? That's when it starts to get really bad, right? Uh, for the number of inputs, yeah. I mean, like BitPay, we we do this thing called the sweeping operation. We'll we'll regularly have hundreds and hundreds of inputs, and it still processes relatively. So, like, basically, it's kind of an attack vector, right? Because <laughs> you can you can formulate this massive transaction that makes makes it ridiculously hard to verify, right? Like yeah, eight thousand yeah. inputs in one yeah, output. Exactly. If you have eight, well, I mean, those are cleanup transactions. I mean, those are actually yeah. a good thing to have because yeah, you're are... you're you're slimming up the UXTO when you do but that. But it takes a long but, time. But it takes yeah. a long time to validate. Well, so so that's the thing is yeah. it's an attack in that it takes a long time for other miners so, to validate before they can mine so, a block with transactions. So why can't you just say, okay, here's all the data, and then, uh, I mean, it might be impossible. Maybe that's why it. This might be a confusing question, but then. Let's say you have all these uh, inputs, and then you make your digital signature one time, and then you don't have to go back and like hash everything. Multiple yeah, like times. like Mike was saying, like you, you can't change it. You can't change it out from underneath people like that, and not have things uh, break. That would be yeah. a consensus. Right? That okay. would be a consensus. So, so pretty much like the 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 dumb way of just looking at this, saying like, hey, why don't we just do it this way? That would definitely be a hard. It fork. would be a hard fork. Okay. Yeah, all which right. is super easy to do yeah. if you do a hard fork. You're just like, hey, we'll just do it this way now. Yeah. You know, but what, so so what do you think about that? If let's say theoretically we are able to get ninety percent of people on board with hard forking to do something like that, would that be something or you know more? I don't know. Like any thoughts on that? I don't know. 
the hard fork in general? Yeah, like like if 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 people were like, hey guys, this. I mean, yeah, originally we didn't really think this through. Satoshi did it this way, whatever. But we're just going to hard fork and change it where it's more efficient to to validate. Uh, inputs and stuff. Well, there's or, never been a non-emergency hard fork of Bitcoin before. It's never happened. I mean, I mean, arguably it could have happened uh, earlier in a version because you can't go back to the version prior of like version seven because you can't run that client anymore. So arguably a hard, hard fork happened at that point in time because you can't run the old client. Yeah, there's a problem with when they they used to have all Berkeley database. Uh, they didn't have two databases like they have now. They had. One wallet database. They had just Berkeley database for the wallet and Berkeley database for the. Uh, what do you What do you mean? What databases? I don't know about this. Okay, so there's there's your wallet, right? Your wallet that file, which is inside Bitcoin, like the Satoshi, what they used to call the Satoshi client, and that that runs. That's a database, right? That wallet file is a Berk. If you know what Berkeley database so, is. So when you say wallet are you talking about like when you run like a full node? This is what you have. Yeah, because yeah I don't, the old core. Yeah, yeah you, I don't you run a. I, I I ran one for like a little bit just to see what it was like, but yeah. I my wallet okay. it generates okay. like, wallet you know, dot file. and I was right. actually it was interesting. you were the one who told me that it's not just because I always assumed it was just like a literal string of keys in the wallet.dat, but no, it's not. Well, it's, no, it's it's actually it's it's it is a flat database file. It's a key value store. Like it's not. Like yeah, it's Oracle it's not. I always like assumed that. it was a text file that just had your private key no, as a no, list. No. It's, or, in, it's like yeah, it's in binary. That's what Ethereum does, yeah. I think. Because I looked, because I used to run the <laughs> Ethereum uh, client, and I looked at my, I don't know, never mind. So, but you're saying it's a key value store, right? And it's very simple. I mean, it's more or less in the value. You can re- you can actually read out your private keys without having. Uh, yeah, I've never trouble. done it manually. I just went and you know did dump priv key, you know, whenever I need one. But yeah, I mean, to me, that's so, like plain text. Yeah, so it's it's, it's not a big deal. Very close. But they, so they used to but have. You can encrypt it too. They used to use Berkeley for everything. They use it for. Storing like blocks, like where? Since so if you look at the, the, what do you mean they're using Berkeley for everything? Well, they used to before. No, uh, what like what does that mean? So what it means is that um, so you have your you have your uh, wallet file right, which is a database which holds like okay this key this private key corresponds with this public key which corresponds with this address, right? And then they would hold like okay there's a transaction that came in from my wallet so they'd log. They'd basically write an, an entry for that. They'd say, okay, transaction ID, blah, 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 for my wallet. And they put it inside that wallet.dat file. Does that make sense? No, I'm so confused. So you're saying that when you're talking about Berkeley's full node? I, I don't know what you're, what you're okay, talking about. So like, I'm there, really confused. Okay, okay. Sorry. So there's a, there's a database vendor called Berkeley Database. And we're not, are we talking about the university? Like, uh, it's yeah, it was designed by people at the university okay, at some point. But sorry, what? Wait, right, explain. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. So just bear with me a second. Okay, the database was called Berkeley Database. Don't worry about like where it came from. It's pretty simple. It's like a it's like a flat uh, key value store, kind of like uh, let's see what what you know Cassandra. Sure. It's yeah. Like, kind of like that. A very very, very stupid simple. version of Cassandra. yeah. But yeah. when I think of Cassandra, <laughs> I think of specific instances of Cassandra, not. Cassandra is this ultimate database ran by a university. Like, I don't get what you're no, talking no, about. No, 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 no. no. It has no. nothing to do with the university. It's just the name of the database. And the yeah. database is essentially, it's a flat file database. Yeah, oh, exactly. oh, you're not yeah. talking about, like, no, everyone's no, referencing no, this. No, no, no. no. Yeah. It, okay. it's, it's literally a file that acts on the as a back end of a database okay, that's I've, local okay, to you. Okay, sorry. I've never, I've literally never heard so, of this so, database. Okay. I apologize. Let, let, me, yeah. let me back up a little bit and tell you a little bit of how uh, Bitcoin QT used to work. So Bitcoin sure. QT, when it first, like, you know, I mean, I, I came on when it was called QT. It was called something else before that, and then it became Core. 
But before HD keys, what it would do was it would auto-generate 100 uh, go-forward addresses uh, with the priv keys, and it would store them in the wallet, that that file. And, you know, and this is the thing that I didn't realize until talking to Chris, because I never... You're talking about 100, like, usable private yeah, keys? because, like, it would it would randomly generate a new one ahead, 100 keys out sure. every time it needed one, sure. which sucked. Because that means you could, if you did enough Bitcoin transactions, you could outrun your backup. <laughs> That's the way it used to be. Okay, because right. if you did, like, 101 transactions at 101st... Before, since the last time okay. you backed up, then, gotcha. you know, if you lost your shit, guess what? It's not in your backup because the key didn't exist back then. Right. So, so anyway, but that's that, that's the wallet.dat files where all those keys were stored. And they still are. It's still, yeah, it's still, it's still God, I feel so stupid. Not well. You just, <laughs> no, you no, just, you just didn't go about. through it. So I, mean, I didn't explain what this what this Berkeley thing was. I apologize. I, I okay. So you have this very simple database, right? But like Mike was saying, like, hey, you get. Uh, it's not very. It's you know. It's it's essentially very hard to maintain. It's you know. It's it's a flat file, so it's not easily indexable, and you know. It has problems, you know, with with uh, it, it, as as the blockchain grows, it's not very scalable and all that stuff. So they decided, hey, we're going to move this new thing called Level DB. Yeah, the Google database. Right. And know, so they said the well, one that was unsupported for a while. Yeah. So they said we're going <laughs> to move to Level DB, and that's that's the one that Google. Uh, that's a Google project, and incidentally, it's used in like Chrome. Like that's the database that Chrome uses for its. Um, you know, if you look in, if you want to store things in the local database, that's all like in, level like in DB. JavaScript and all that, it's all in level DB, right? So, so is level DB, um, how many, how many blockchain people that actually talk about blockchain do you think know about level DB? I don't know. I haven't heard too many people talking about it, but it's very important. It's very important to, uh, to Bitcoin. So, so it's one Google- of those things that you probably only know if you actually develop on Bitcoin on the, the protocol itself, right? Because other than that, if you're just ancillary and building stuff around it, you don't need so, uh, so, right. so yeah. real quick to talk about Level DB, I haven't really done too much research on it. Is it a key value store? Or- yes. Okay. All right. Yeah, and so- it's um, you know, it's very important to Google because they use it in Chrome, right? That's their big flagship product for consumers, I suppose. And so if they don't, if they don't, you know, keep it up, it could, you know. They need it for Chrome and, you know, if it's got bugs or whatever. Anyway, so when they made the switch, they thought, oh, we'll just move everything over to LevelDB, including, like, the wallet file and everything, right? And that went horribly wrong. <laughs> yeah, that was the and, migration uh, where little snafu. Oh, I remember, I remember reading that. Uh, I read the devlogs from that, and, and Luke Jr. said, so, accidental hard fork. Yay. Yeah, so <laughs> they had to... Um, you know, if that happened today, it would be a totally different story. It wouldn't be as, as nearly as easy to call up everybody and say, okay, everybody get on this, this fork over yeah, here. Literally, they had the miners just fucking pull shit back, right? Yeah. They, they said, okay, guess what? We're, we're going to downgrade where everybody was going to do it and everybody was cool about it. Yeah, everybody <laughs> just said, okay, this you is You really could not bad. do that today, right? No, <laughs> I don't think so. Oh, dude, it would be bedlam today. There, I be... mean, it, it was bad back then, but it would be it would be death right now. Yeah, which is why we got to really um, vet the people who are producing code for for Bitcoin, right? I'm not saying don't trust the Bitcoin Unlimited guys, but I'm just saying, yeah, you, you know, uh, what well, kind of? <laughs> we, we, well, <laughs> well, okay, we we we've had a couple couple big high profile little uh, missteps there. Yeah, that's for sure. I told you what was going to happen, Mike. That that this was going to be very bad against BU. All these little snafu like oh, bugs yeah. that they're finding. Well, I mean, but at the end of the day, it's it's 
the, the miners still aren't dropping them from the hash rate. Uh, you know, it's it's still you know what, up let's, in aggregate. You know what? You're making me curious. I want to check on CoinDance what everything's looking like right now. I mean, it's... Should we, should we get back to malleability a second? No, I, I want to check this. You got me really interested right now. Uh, so, Bitcoin Unlimited in the last 144 blocks has 42.4%. See? Holy shit. Well, last, that's, that's variance. Look, look at the thousand blocks. No, 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 I'm just saying last 144. I'll, I'll, give, know, you the, know, I'll give you the last thousand. Hold on. L- last 144 for Segway is about 25.7%. And then we're at 30.1% for Segway. Last thousand. The last thousand for Bitcoin Unlimited is 37.9. But the last 144, which is like very telling as well, as yeah. far as recent. Forty-two point four percent. Oh yeah, the more Fuck. recent you go, the more volatility there is because of luck. But yeah, yeah, you're no, you're 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 right. But I'm just saying that's well, yeah, I that's mean, it's big. Just, yeah, no, it's it, it is big. That's, but I wouldn't read dude, too much into that. But no, yeah. but Mike, they're almost at fifty percent, which is significant. It, it is. It's definitely significant. So, so I mean, well, that's that, you know, this is why when you said that, I was like, yeah, it's not going to matter, and I wasn't telling you like it's not going to matter. As for, yeah, you know, people aren't going to be pissed. People are clearly pissed and people <laughs> understand. But it's not going to matter as far as the miners are concerned. Hey, before before we go to transaction malleability, I want to ask Chris what he thinks. But BitPay, if, if, he's, if he wants to talk about it. Uh, granted, you can talk just on your own. You don't have to talk about anything else. But, I mean, Bitcoin Unlimited is hitting near 50%. I mean, what what's going on? I mean, tell me what you think. Well... I think based on the visit that we had from Peter Risen and uh, Jake Smith uh, last Monday, I, I really think that those guys are actually on a marketing kick and they're going places and they're talking to people. It's a junket. Yeah, they're convincing people that, hey, and I, I, I don't know this, but, you know, they're, they're probably sweetening, sweetening the pot somehow, right? Because if you, if you have a miner that's Is not, that considered a conspiracy? I don't, I don't know. I'm just saying that they, they openly admitted that uh, some unnamed person, you know, and they basically implied that Roger Ver was g- gave him five hundred grand to uh, to do, you know, to basically make stuff happen. And if you're a marketing person, where do you, how do you make stuff happen? You go out, and you you given block. Roger Ver's position, that makes actually a lot of sense. I mean, if he if he has as much money as as he has, and you know, it's very clear that he wants to move away toward larger blocks. Hey, Mike, he do you think Roger Ver would give us five hundred grand to talk about BU positively? No. Damn it! No, right. definitely Sorry. not. I'm sure you would, right? <laughs> dude, I, might, I might. I mean, dude, <laughs> I don't know. I'm don't only know. a man. <laughs> that, that's my excuse for a. Uh, I don't know. I I, I really think that people ought to do their own research. Like even looking at Coin Dance right here, this website. Don't believe it, man. Like, do your own research. I like, like that. I like that about you. You know that that, you that know, is who, good. But I mean, yeah, who, who runs this site? Is Rod, does Roger Veer run this site? I don't know, dude. I, they've it. been pretty impartial thus far. I can tell you that because they've been tracking these things for much, much longer than Segwit. They okay. they've tracked the last okay. last few bips before, right. and they they have graphs of those exactly as they 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 happen. So I mean, I don't know. You're right. There there always could be a conspiracy, but I I have a feeling like if 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 those numbers right there. We're not reporting someone accurately. Someone that runs a somebody phone. would be up in arms. They would and have a hundred re- from retweets. the fucking rooftop, and I our Bitcoin no, I, would be I, going ape shit. I do believe they, they're probably correct. I, I think you're right. Somebody would say something, but it's th- so easy to validate. They're right? reporting people yeah, who are signaling, be. right? They're, they're reporting people who are actually yeah, mining and, blocks and putting. And they're, and they're reporting everyone who's not signaling too. 
Right. And yeah. So, and so what we're just still the majority. Right? Oh, so, no, actually, it's not anymore. Holy shit. Yeah. So, like, we're under majority half. Majority yeah. is either signaling sw- sig- Segwit, 8 megabyte block, something. They're, me- they're seg- signaling actually, something. Actually, that's like a super majority now. Is it over 75% now? It might be. I don't know, man. So, it's 6% plus 30% plus. You have. Like, 35 you, is close. <laughs> okay. You want, you, you want to hear this? It's like, it's like less than 10% isn't signaling something. Really? Which doesn't make any sense. No, that, that's not right. No, well, no, let, that's what it's saying. Let me ask you. Oh no, 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 no. You're, I think you're right. Here. Never mind. Sorry. Huh? Let me ask you a question about signaling, right? Yeah. Never mind. If you were a miner and you, uh, and basically, if you were a miner, is it possible for a miner to signal something he is he or she is not actually doing? Yeah. Oh, oh, <laughs> totally. There's so much. That's all I'm saying. There's man. so much that's game theory saying. in this, and 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 if. I forget who says this, Mike. It might have been you. It might have been someone else. But the fact that people say one thing and then turn around and say something else is huge. Maybe it was you, Chris. I don't, I don't remember so, who well, I talked to about this. Well, but. there, there is, there is also this. Um, so, so there is the numbers there because they track their reported client that they're mining with, and they can change that too and lie. Yeah. And well, that's something Roger Veer said recently is that several. And you know, I don't know how widespread this is. I guarantee there's at least one doing it. You know, but. Um, that that uh, there are people who are not registering as BU, so they won't be attacked by the other side. Exactly. And I mean, like, like, but XT that was a massive problem when XT came out. Yeah. Is all of the nodes got DDoSed by you know rabid core supporters who by, were trying uh, to take it fucking Luke, down? Right. Who, who does that? Is that Luke Dash Junior? Who who does the DDoSing? I, I don't know. I'm just saying that somebody it's, it's was almost doing like, some fucking DDoSing. That's all I know. Listen, if we've learned anything from that last election that we had here in the United States, like Russia, like everybody was Russia's like, Russia's oh, yeah, doing the yeah. DDoSing. We got we got Hillary Clinton's in the bag, right? Wrong. You know, it's because a lot of people are like, I'm not going to tell anybody I'm a I'm a Trump supporter. Why? Because they'll get lambasted. I'm not I'm not going to well, say because anything. you're racist. Duh. Of course. But I mean, anyone like, who voted Trump is 100 percent automatically a racist, no matter what. I'm just According saying that things, things aren't always what they seem, right? Doesn't support. No, well, it's, it's a very good point because you can only rely on this thing to a certain degree because it's all self-reported. It's it all is. self-reported. It's all yeah. self-reported. But, I mean, I, I trust it a lot more than, than you know, like a straw poll. <laughs> or... yeah. yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that, that's the thing. Quantifiable stuff's really, really hard like that. Uh, okay. You ready to go back to transaction malleability? Because yes. this is like tidwell learning stuff from two experts i feel like um can we take a brief commercial break yeah yeah uh let's take a break so where were we i don't know transaction Transaction malleability transaction all right everyone at the same time let's all say it no transaction Transaction malleability mike you suck (laughs) <laughs> We're all supposed to say it, sing it in chorus. All together now. All, all together. right. Anyways, sing it, sing I don't play it with others. I don't play well with others. Man. <laughs> Are you I'm recording? Just... Yeah, we're recording. Yeah, no, 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 we, no. we never stopped. We, we never so stopped. Stop. Oh my god, you didn't say anything, did you? No. <laughs> <laughs> all right. You were talking right. shit by yourself while we were in the bathroom. I was like, all right, on three. One, two, three. Transaction, Transaction malleability. That's going to be an awesome segue into our next segment. All right. So <laughs> let's talk about transaction malleability and. Let me explain first what I think it is, and then Mike, may, uh, comment if, if you want to also do it, and then we'll have the expert tell us what it really means. So transaction malleability uh, 
is something to do with you can change some of the input or the entire transaction itself to change some kind of ID for the transaction to confuse some clients that don't validate other things. You can essentially trick dumb clients that aren't coded properly. <coughs> and uh, I mean, they're, 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 I don't really know what you change, but you can change something. I think it's in the input, but I'm not 100% sure yeah. what you change in the input. So, uh, and I also think that there's a couple things because I was listening to the Taj uh, um, video about uh, transaction malleability, and he was saying this is more video of a, too. No, no, this is just Taj. Yeah, he was talking about this is a bigger issue with multi-sig than it is with just one person sending to someone else uh, with smart wallets or whatever. That's really all I know at a high level, and I also know that SegWit taking this signature data out. Uh, kind of removes this problem. I really want to understand this more, Mike. Did so, you, uh, yeah, yeah. I'll give you. I'll give you my this. take, sure. which is is uh, you know still still ignorant, but basically here here's how I understand it. Um, transaction malleability is is what happens when if you well there, there's okay. So transaction malleability has good uses and bad uses. You can malleate your own transactions for reasons. Uh, that that could be helpful to you, like like replaced by fee in a certain context. Right now, that's that relies on malleated transactions. So, uh, but other other are extremely non helpful. So so the bad scenario that that Segwit does, because Segwit allows for malleable transactions of your own. What it doesn't allow for is is other people malleating your transactions. So. This is my understanding is... Wait, say that last part again. Sorry. You said other people malleate? Yeah. It, it, versus... Yeah, yeah. Unintentionally malleated, tra malleable transactions is what SegWit solves. Is that like man in the middle? Sorry, yeah. I just want to understand. It's kind of a man in the middle attack, but the only okay. the only thing about it is, except for like in a man in the middle attack, they're redirecting your funds places and doing all sorts of shit. This is a man in the middle, but they can't redirect your funds. But what they do is they fuck with something else that has nothing to do with your funds transfer, but it creates a different reference to that transaction than you're expecting so if you create a transaction and you take the inputs and the outputs and you you know you hash everything up double shot 256 it you come out with this transaction id it says yes this is me it refers to me and me alone this is what i'm doing and you submit that to a miner the miner can read that and be like yeah that's awesome i'm gonna ignore that and i'm gonna make my own and then i'm gonna shove that in the block and that one's totally different and so then you go you know you tell uh bob you say, hey, Bob, here's this transaction that I paid you. I have a transaction ID. You can look it up on the blockchain. It's going to be posted any time now. And it never comes because the transaction happens, but it's a different ID. Now, Bob, in this case, is the Lightning Network or, or Check Lock Time Verify or something else like that. So um, it, that's, that's my understanding of why transaction malleability is a problem. Uh, before you start, Chris, I want to ask you a quick question about what Mike said. Okay. Uh, to verify. So earlier, we we're talking about transaction malleability very briefly, saying that, okay, I can change my own stuff myself because I can change the signature or whatever. Now, Mike's actually talking about someone else changing it. Mm -hmm. We didn't necessarily talk about that. Uh, it, or am I incorrect in that? I'm just, I'm just curious. No, we didn't really talk okay, about okay. that. But just I making mean, sure. Yeah, he's right. I, anybody can change. Okay, so let me back up. Um, Historically, there were two forms of transaction malleability, right? There was unintentional and there was intentional. Um, the unintentional kind is a side effect of the way uh, transactions are actually um, built by OpenSSL. And we don't really, in Bitcoin, we don't really use OpenSSL for this anymore. Um, 
so so first of all, uh, there's there's different ways that you can encode a piece of binary data or a, or a trans or a signature. And it used to be in the olden days with unintentional trans- the olden days. Yeah, it used to be that you could uh, open SSL would take as input. It would take very sloppy input and be able to to generate a trans be able to generate a signature from that, right? And it was, co- and that's where. Have you ever heard the term strict dir encoding? Have you ever heard the term? Uh, sure. I have not. Okay, so BIP sixty six addressed this unintentional transaction malleability problem by saying, "Hey, listen, guys, um, we're only going to be checking. We're only going to be validating signatures that are strictly um, uh, dir encoded. Okay, D E R. It's a digital encoding something, and it's it's an octal format." But basically, it says, "All right, we're not going to be loosey goosey about uh, generating signatures anymore. You have to you have to generate them using a very specific form of input, and it, and you have to you have to uh, when you actually output it, it has to be very specific forms, right? That's BIP sixty six. So the unintentional transaction mailability has been completely solved one hundred percent. Okay, so that's not a problem. The other form of transaction. I'm sorry, what does that address? Does that address what Mike was talking about or no? No, th- th- I'm just okay, doing okay. historical just, thing. For no, everybody. no, I'm just, I'm just okay. trying to also know historical context. Yeah. Of, so uh, okay. so that's, that's unintentional. Yeah. yeah. So unintentional, unintentional, intentional, and then there's yours and somebody else doing it. Right. So, so, right. Okay. So, so unintentional. unintentional has been solved. Okay. 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 So yeah, accidental so, can't happen anymore. Yeah. Okay. It's maliciously done. If it's intentional. Done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Intentional. Gotcha. And by the way, uh, even the intentional kind has really been solved by most most uh, merchant processing and and or um, clients yeah well, yeah you yeah. just don't use a transaction id <laughs> yeah you don't use a transaction id you key off that's, of other pieces a... of data right well and so it... at bitpay for example you you can't get away with transaction mailability we have code that actually uh, takes and looks at and says oh, okay we we see what you're trying to do here we already know about that so so, so not... before you go on i'd like to make a little aside about mount gox because if you recall they blamed the entirety of their loss on transaction malleability and that is laughable that's yeah. stupid they did however have a transaction malleability bug and they lost probably like for like fifty thousand dollars to it over time right but i mean that that had nothing to do with the collapse of gox if that was the only issue they would have right. easily recovered so uh, just FYI, transaction malleability is not the big bogeyman yeah. that it's made out to be. Bogey? <laughs> bogey. <laughs> bogey. Boogie. 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 Whatever. Boogies are depressing in like, golf. Like Humphrey Bogart. So. You guys still doing okay? Yeah, we do. Right. Are we, are we going to do another round of drinks or? Uh, I'll do one. I'll, I'll do uh, another as well. Oh, I'm fine. Thanks. Can I get a crown of dive? Is that time of night? You have to mic her when she, she wants talks. To, she wants to, uh, put she has, she has a very pretty voice. Do I? Very yes. pretty. I sound harsh right now. Like no, what? you sound great. Thank you. I bring out your drinks. Okay. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you, Jasmine. We're so lucky we have two waitresses. We do. Okay. With, let's let's talk right. about the intentional kind. Here here's how it actually can manifest it. And it, we I don't need to I don't need to go into too much detail because we already talked about the most important part, which is that script sig. Remember how we were talking about the unlocking script or that script sig, which has that 211 bytes that you showed me, and it has like the uh, it has the signature or the group of signatures, and then um, and those that's the script sig part. The Remember unlocking how, script that gets pulled, you know, all the pieces get pulled out except yeah. for the address. Okay, there's where the problem comes in with actual intentional uh, transaction malleability because that is a script, right? 
So not only can it contain uh, signature data, 74-byte signature where, data. Where can we look at that script in details as far as like the... Right there on blockchain.info okay. you have it right there. Uh, so look at, look at, see the input script there? Yeah. That's that's uh, represented as hexadecimal characters, sure. but that's you know. By, that's, I was saying, where, where where can we look at more details of like what each of these fields are and stuff? Oh, okay. Um, What's a good site for go that? Insight. So, so yeah, if somebody does a malleation attack, what's the most common vector? Is the script sick? Yeah, yeah what but, they but do, what do they do? Do they like add spaces? Yeah, yeah. Or? <laughs> it's very okay. So let me back up a second. Okay, so click on one of those transactions right there, like right, right below. Yeah, any of those? Those are unconfirmed. That's okay. Click on that little plus mark to the left there. Okay, you see how it says script sig? Yeah. And it has All right, so just, so just for our audience, we're on insight.bitpay.com, and we're looking at a transaction. We're looking at the script sig under a random transaction right now. Right, and you have to click the little plus mark next to the transaction yep. ID. Okay. Okay, so the first thing you see there is a signature, and that's 74 bytes of data right there. Right here. Yeah. Okay. And the second thing is uh, pub key is actually the public key. Right here? Uh, no, right below it, right below the signature. Right here. No, no, to, wait, the, wait, to the left, wait. like right here, right there. This yeah. is a public key? That's a public key. And this is what? That's a signature. Okay, so this this signature is comprised of a private key signing what, what data exactly again? Okay, it's signing a... Um, or, or, yeah. It's signing the actual, it, it depends a little bit, but I'll, I'll just take the version. Common, the common <laughs> case, like the version, version, the end lock time. I think it's the end lock time, if I'm not mistaken. There's a lot of things that... What is typically the end lock time? Is uh, it's a it's a four byte unsigned integer, um, and it represents either the block height um, that can be that has to be after the block height or after the timestamp. Um, so say like your end lock time is um, five hundred four four hundred ninety nine million nine hundred ninety nine thousand, right? Which which, which say, say like you have that number in end lock time, right? That means it's locked up till that block. Yeah. So, so typically, it's locked up until the next block. Typically, yeah. Yeah. So, so in typically, lock time is the lock time referred to in check lock time verify. So yeah. it's a four byte in, uh, integer that usually refers to the to the block for for like ninety nine percent of all transactions. It's usually re a reference to the block right afterwards, right? Uh, yes. Uh, however, the default is just zero. Which, which means, means the next block, yeah, the next any block. any blocks yeah. acceptable, right? Okay, yeah. right. Okay. So so if it's if it's if that value is over five hundred million, that means that's a time, that's a Unix timestamp. Does that does that make sense? Like you know. Uh, sure. I'm, so so under over five. So there will never be over five hundred million blocks, is what the core developers are assuming. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I don't know. We could we could have like a Y two K situation. <laughs> Dude, we we five hundred million blocks. That's our Y two K situation. Yeah, that's us, man. What is that year two thousand? Uh, uh, twenty thousand. Well, the real problem is Anyways. the real problem is the twenty thirty eight problem that we have. Oh yeah, the the Unix or the yeah. the when it goes over. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but that's not really that big of a deal because uh, anyway, we won't get into that. Yeah. So let's let's go too to main, let's, too talk, let's stay on malleability. Yeah, yeah. let's talk about um so. So all the inputs are hashed, all the outputs are hashed. Um, now people are going to complain that I'm not talking about this sig hash type, but don't worry about that. We're just <laughs> talking about the common type. Of Who sig are these people? No. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. You're, you're welcome. So all that stuff is like hat, double shot 256, right? And at the end, um, you'll have a pre, what they call a, a hash pre-image, right? Yep, we talked uh, about that earlier. And then you'll d double shot 256 that guy <laughs> into a 32-byte, um, 
uh, pre, uh, uh, message that you then uh, apply your signature to, I'm sorry, you apply your private key to get okay. the signature. It's, it's becoming very clear that the transaction malleability is going to happen in this one and not the public key. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, so, so, uh, yeah. so, so again, looking back at the script sig, we have two values. The first one, according to Chris, is uh, has to do with the digital signature. The second one is the public key. Correct. Which, this public key looks really large. Um, um, it's going to be uh, 66 characters. So, oh, you know what? Bytes. You know what? I'm getting confused between public address and public key. So, never mind. Yeah, that's the, yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. public key. Yeah. Public, yeah. Ad- yeah. public key is much larger than the public address. To yep. the public address, right? 60. Yeah. Yep. So, okay. that's 33 bytes. The uh, signature is usually around 74 bytes. Sometimes less. It depends on the value, this S value. You're there. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, you said you said what was what? Was what? Um, what was I saying? About this the, is 140 characters for the signature. Okay, that's 70 bytes. Okay. Right? Because uh, yeah. one hex hex character is... Uh, base 16. Half, yeah, it's a four-bit yeah. value, right? Okay. Anyways, okay, uh, keep cool. going. All right, cool. So you got... Okay, so how do you, how would you actually do intentional transaction malleability? Well, what you would do is since that script sig, which remember it contains the signature, then the public key, I can put any old, like, I can put any old... Um, um, Op, uh, any old, basically, I'm my train of thought. <laughs> I can put any old instruction before or after uh, those two values, and it, it would still be a valid signature, and it and it would change. And by doing that, I would actually change the transaction the entire ID. transaction because a, a transaction ID is based off the hash of like everything in the transaction. Right. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's a useless step that they add uh, just to change it. A qu- uh, quick question: Can you give me some examples of the? Uh, what instructions that you would want to put uh, no instructions you would want to put into the signature uh, sorry i gotta look back yeah, at the yeah. damn the the yeah, script wh- wh- sig what are yeah. script types that you could use to right. so that's, a good, yeah. that's a good question sure. so one of them the, the, the one i typically do that i see all the time is people will just put in like a an op zero which is a which is a false um and then they'll put like op drop right after that so what so op, drops the false yeah so basically <laughs> they'll say okay i'm pushing an, a Dude, zero. Bitcoin's weird. I'm it pushing is. a zero onto the stack, right? Yeah. As the first, as the first thing, and then I'm pushing. Then I'm saying, "Hey, drop whatever I just pushed onto the stack." So really, there's like so many indeterminous ways of changing this up. Right. So What's anytime funny is you, you could do like an infinite string of those, right? <laughs> up yeah. Until it- <laughs> so, so that that will change the transaction ID. Now, as Mike uh, correctly mentioned, now nobody here. Here's why what Mount Gox was doing was complete bullshit. They were actually saying that we lost money because people were directing funds elsewhere, and that's not possible with transaction malleability. You cannot change. No, you where, can't change that. You can't change where the because you still need that private key. So, so you still need that private key to sign off where things are going. Here, here's what I heard. Yeah, you're still you're still saying you're still asserting I'm sending funds from this UTXO. Sorry to cut you off, Mike. Oh no, no, from this UTXO to this person. I can't change that. Uh, I can't change where that, the funds that are going. That actually wasn't what I heard uh, when I, I remember at the time reading. What I heard is they were dumb enough. They coded the payments out to be relied on transaction malleability. So what they had is they would send payments out, and then they would have people complaining. Hey, I never got the payments. That's, no, that is transaction malleability. And then, then they would send it again because yeah. they would look for the ID and they were like, yeah, you're right. You never got it. And then they would send it. No, I, I do that remember is, that. That is actually transaction well, malleability. And they actually yeah, did. Yeah. They did lose, you know, because like it was verifiable at the time. I thought, you know what I mean? As, as, any, as much as anything is in this space. 
that they lost like thirty thousand dollars that way. It was or like double withdrawal. It was a double dumb. withdrawal but vulnerability. Like, you can't lose one hundred sixty-five million dollars no, by manual reset. You can't do it. So, so you, wait, you need like to be in cahoots with like a miner and a Mt. Gox account to do that, right? Um, the transaction. How else would you? Ma- in no, the you middle can, of you that. can. You could. You could if you were sitting on the the node. If you if you knew which nodes I they mean, were Mount connecting Gox, to. Mount Gox used their own node. I'm sure. Well, yeah, but they had to propagate stuff out to the network. So if you got it in root, and then that then, sounds so far fetched. I mean, that sounds. I'm just saying you could. Here's here's what they did. <laughs> but it's all it's social. They would have to be like partitioned off the network and make sure that no, one no, no. person was no, 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 propagating. No. If you're the first node, you have you know. Uh, you, you know, it propagates more through you than anybody else. Yeah, the but if they have their own node, they could propagate out to like to six peers or whatever. The no, correct no, no, guys, it's not it's not a propagation thing. Okay, so here's what they did: it's a social engineering tactic. Okay, so they sent the valid transaction, right? And then they turned around and intentionally malleated their own transaction, which basically fooled every peer out of, out there to swap out what they had in their memory pool for the new one, right? And then they called up support at Mount Gox and said, hey, my transaction never, you never sent it or I never received it or, or whatever. And you need to, re- you need, basically need to refund me. Wait, but so but how would they do that if they're using the Mount Gox UI? That doesn't make any sense to me. I, I don't, like, I don't not, know how they it's not like they're it. using, it's not like they're using their own wallet. They're using Mount Gox's website. So, yeah. so the whole point that doesn't is, make any sense. If they did get got, they didn't get got for much, even through their own incompetence. <laughs> did, you, did you say Goxter got? Well, <laughs> I said got, but got. Yeah, I mean, uh, they can't gox themselves. Actually, I guess they did gox themselves. <laughs> yeah, but... I, think, I think the major like for, don't ever gox yourself. Like for not Bit- in public, at least for BitPay, it's a problem because um, you know we could see their transaction one minute and then it would be gone, and then they would call and say, "Hey, uh, I sent the stuff. You never sent it to me. Like, what what's going on?" And we would refund, you know, the transaction. And then it would be a malleated transaction and be like, oh, crap, you know, after the fact. So I, I only know what happens to, like, merchant processing. I don't know how the Mount Gox thing went down, but uh, that's... that's oh, I mean, it's easy. It's an easy code around if you if you do things right. Just never trust your transaction ID, right? Yeah, you don't I mean, trust your transaction ever. ID. It's like, no, look and Stability is not, not that big of... It's really easy to figure out, like, what's going on there. It's not that big of a deal. And we... Oh, here here's some, something interesting is that... Um, is that um, our, our CEO, Stephen Pear, talked to um, some of the core developers, not the BU side, but the Eric Lombroso side and like yeah, yeah. those guys. The, the, the real I, Bitcoin I think core it was, side. I think it was Eric that he talked to. And that, that he was actually, Eric was actually like shocked that that transaction mailability was not an issue for us. But, but I mean, how, how could he be? <laughs> I mean, how could you possibly rely on a transaction? I mean, this is two years post Gox. I know. I know. I mean, uh, we'd be out of business. Even 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 back it. then, even back then, it would have been a bad idea if you knew anything about what was going on. Yeah. Holy so shit. there's there's a lot of disconnects in like the developer community and what is and is not a problem still in the community. So I think. Well, then you know, we're, just see, not, we're just not talking to each other enough. So so as a client, that you know, you it's easy to code around that problem. You know what I mean? Not not easy. I mean, if, if you've already built into it, you have to rewrite the whole fucking thing if you're relying on transaction ID. But if right. you know ahead of time, no, I can't trust this, yeah. you just build it without. Oh, check check this out. This is gonna this is gonna surprise you. So some guy over at BitClub, I don't know if you guys heard of that, those yeah. guys. Uh, they thought they were being clever and since they're miners, 
you can actually be a miner and, and very easily do ma- transaction malibu. Oh yeah, it's right? like it, it's stupid easy for them, right? Because they can just like so, in I, line change out uh, transactions. I'm gonna have to ask you a question about this. Because I'm there. And so okay. they actually um, they were actually uh, able to fool the system and and basically we um, we didn't credit that we didn't credit any of the. They transactions. were trying to cheat money out of you. Yeah, a miner. Yeah, really. And I was like, Aww. okay, first of all, like transaction malleability has pretty much been licked. Okay, first of all, there's another thing that you guys need to know about transaction malleability. They were just trying is, to make sure you were secure. I'm oh, sure. Oh yeah, they were. They were testing you, and you passed. Good job. There, there's something. They would have refunded uh, you all the money. They just wanted to, you know, make sure. Well, so there, there's a there's something called is standard, right? So in the newer versions of Bitcoin, if your transaction isn't what they determine as standard, right? They will. They, you won't get propagated. Your transaction won't get propagated, right? So, yeah, what, what does that mean? Right? To relay it. Yeah. yeah. So that what that means is that if 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 in your script sig in your unlocking script, like I talked about having like putting in like op zero and then op drop or something, if you have like if you put an op drop in a script sig, that will be considered non-standard because that date because that op code is not pushing it's data. Valid, but not standard. Yes. It's valid but not standard. So yeah. you won't get relayed anywhere. So So you could throw that you could throw that in in a mine block. And wait, fine, wait, I'm, I'm yeah. sorry. You're not gonna make it across the network. Wait, wait, exactly. I'm, I'm sorry, you're saying yeah. this is a BIP or is this something that is happening right now? No, it's not a BIP. It's just something that we that uh everybody said, okay, they put in a function called is standard, and if your transaction is not standard, you're That's probably a good not, idea. You're not what, gonna get relayed. So so <laughs> as far as that function, how do you how does someone call that function? Is that like in the C plus plus code? Like, what yeah. do you mean? Okay. It's in the C plus plus code. Okay. Yeah. So, um, you know, if you have any non-data pushing op codes, if you so, have any, um, you know, it, basically it's for non-data pushing op codes in the script sake. So I'd like to make what I feel is an important point because we, we, we've said over and over again that, yeah, transaction malleability is not a big deal for most endpoint consumers because everybody knows about it. And it's, you know, fairly easy to code around if you, if you know about it ahead of time. So, but here's the problem is if you're trying to do ambitious on-chain protocol things like you know two tier, tier two like uh lightning, lightning network, network and sidechains jason too. poon network so lightning or network and sidechains are, are you know are both heavily reliant on that transaction id being non-malleated right so so you can't because you lock up funds and and the only way to reference the fact that those funds are locked and correct me if i'm wrong this is the part i wasn't sure about when i was trying to explain it to him yeah, I is, was I was asking about this because he was asking yeah. me. I was like, it was like, why would you ever use that? I was like, okay, they have to use the transaction ID for the transaction for check lock time verify to ensure that that money is locked up so that they know it's in the payment channel. And he was like, why? And I was like, I don't know. I don't know enough to answer that question. <laughs> well, in the case of uh, check lock time verify, it's not it's not um, it doesn't have any risk of transaction malleability because not um, in itself because right. it's still locked. But yeah, you yeah, can't refer to the that as that's mine that is locked. Man, that would, my that, understanding. that would be like a really, really mean transaction malleability if you say that your funds are locked up for like eight thousand blocks. That would be really mean, wouldn't it? No, you can't do that. Yeah, you can because it's a it's a script type, right? No, but it or it's that, a sig type. Yeah, but that would change it. That would that would you you can't change that. You can add right. It, it, no, uh, you, you can lock up your own funds for however long you want. Right, right, but you can't malleate some. If somebody passes you a transaction that's already signed, mm-hmm. and it has that, you can't malleate the lock time. No, you can't. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. oh, oh. So before we talk about Lightning Network, then what can a man in the middle attack do? Then, as far as they could just change the transaction ID. That's it. 
Oh. Basically, <laughs> but, which, but 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 to change the transaction ID, I thought they're they're messing with the sig types. They can add shit in front of it or behind it that doesn't have to be signed. The check lock time verified okay, and lock time si- has to be signed. But the, okay, okay, okay. Which okay, okay gotcha, so what, gotcha, so gotcha. Where I think where um, gotcha. I think sense. the problem with uh, Lightning Network with respect to transaction malleability is being able to stack transactions and say this one is the parent of this one is the parent of this one yeah. is the parent of this one. Yeah, yeah, that Because makes if sense. you remember, in every input on a Bitcoin transaction, uh, the first uh, field in the input is the previous transaction ID, right? Right. So if you have unconfirmed transactions that are then malleated and then having children built on top of those guys, you could be orphaning... Uh, Transactions. So they get they get invalidated. Right. They're so not, yeah. a parent could just go missing because someone decided to malleate a parent to another transaction ID and then start building children off of that. Right. So you could have like a bunch. You could have a long chain sure, of like. Sure. Sure. That know. makes perfect sense. So, so why you can't is, make future transactions? So why the hell? On, right? So why the hell would you make a Lightning Network a freaking? Uh, anything to do with an ID, and why wouldn't you just use an opcode with it? Well, no, that's, that's the thing, is you have to reference something that hasn't happened yet. And the only way to do that is through an ID of a transaction that right. is pending. Right. And that's another thing that, that SegWit actually does. Ooh, I, need, well I need to ask more questions about that. Uh, that's another thing that, transa- that uh, BIP143 addresses, is if you look at a Bitcoin transaction today, uh, pre-SegWit, it, you, you can take a a transaction and there's not enough data to be able to take that transaction air gap to, you know, take that and air gap it to another machine and, and sign it. You need, you need supplementary data. And that's because every input on a, on a Bitcoin transaction uh, points to the previous transaction, you know, the output. So the previous transaction ID and the output index, right? So every output, every input has an output that it was spent to, right? The UTXO. Does that make, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. But in the current uh, incarnation of the transaction, the output from that previous transaction is not included in the current transaction. So that's what I'm saying. You can't wait. wait say that last part though. Not what? Okay. Yeah. This, what? Is, okay. this is where you, you so, get yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so <laughs> you have to remember my mem my mempool is like eight sentences max. Okay. So right. so someone someone spends someone uh, transfers Bitcoin to you, right? They they they. You send Bitcoin to you, right? I like where we're going. All right. Okay. I have Bitcoin. So you now have ownership of what, what they call a UTXO. Right? Sure. That's yeah. Unspent transaction output, right? Definitely. That's an output of somebody's transaction to you, right? I got my UTXO. So, Let's okay, go. Okay, cool. Now, when you want to spend that, you create an input that spends that output. Does that make sense? Yep. Yeah, because my, my I, I use my, my that UTXO for my input. Okay, cool. The, the current transaction, the way it's structured in the current form of the transaction, uh, it, there's no way to encode the output that's yours in the input that you're building to spend your money. Why not? Well, it's just another design choice that was made in the past, and it wasn't kind of forward-thinking. Okay, so so explain what the issue is as far as not being able to uh, Super deterministically say that this UTXO belongs to this input. Is that so what you're this saying? Is, yeah, this yeah. is this is the question I can answer. I get okay, to this point, okay, and I'm like, so, I don't okay. know. <laughs> so Satoshi said, "I want to be very economical with with it with uh, building transactions. So I won't actually include the real output. I'll just include a pointer to it." And that pointer was an ID. The pointer was a transaction ID. Oh, this is and, stupid. And an output index. You're making me think Bitcoin's dumb. <laughs> okay, so okay, that's not sorry, normal. sorry, sorry. Now that the, is the not ID and the what? Output index. 
oh, okay, the index is like the block height? What, what is, is the like, index? Okay, so the indexes are like... UXTO index, index, right? Oh, shit. I'm sorry. Whoa, careful, oh. Ben. Yeah. So that... So Did you just right, call me Ben? No, I said, man, you almost spilled your beer over your computer, Ben. Dude, I got I got pushed yeah, I would, by I a ghost. Saved it. I saved it. So that's that's output number zero right there, the first one. Output zero. You're, you're output, talking about this one? Yeah. Yep. That's out. That's output zero, and that's output one. Right? Sure. Yeah. Index zero. Okay. Oh, so yeah. So you need to be able to. Tell oh, 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 that's what you meant by index. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Output index, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. And so um, that's a problem because so wait, output index was all right. Index and then the ID. So so that's the output of the transaction zero yeah. one two three. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, I think I think it's dumb that it's using the ID. So when you're sending it, when you're spending that 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 money that someone gave you, you need to refer to the previous transaction ID and the output index, right? Mm-hmm. So that those are kind of like point. That's like a pointer. How, how right? much harder is it to refer to the UTXO? I know. Well, that's you, what I'm that saying. That would require that's, a hard fork, That's why right? in Segwit, they said, okay, this is this is dumb. We need to carry that information along with us so that you can take the transaction, take it to an offline computer, and be able to sign the entire thing and not, not a problem, right? So so in absentia of the, the, the games that they're playing to make Segwit into a soft okay. fork, that would normally require a hard fork, correct? That change <sighs> or no? Um, yeah, because they're, they're because they're restructuring the serialization format of the right. transaction. Yeah. So, so that that's the deal is they they figured out a hack to make that work as a software to yeah. to, to fix the inefficiencies yeah. that you're talking about. Yeah. No, no, it's just amazing. Okay, I I mean I think you're doing a really good. First off, you both of you both of you are doing a really good job answering. No, my he's questions. way smarter. Than yeah. I. No. Oh, well, I mean, everyone's helping. I'm I'm helping by I'm asking helping. questions. <laughs> Right. It's just, it's hard to get across without yeah. like pointing yeah. and all that, you know. Like there's, yeah. it's a, not a good audio format kind of deal. Yeah, yeah. You have to visualize like what these things look. What the way I visualize it is like this blocks of things. Like you re- you wrote down this like sort of rectangle thing. And <laughs> yeah. Then, For the audience, you know, there's a rectangle on this sheet of paper. And there is a rectangle. It helps to visualize verify. transactions with rectangles that go from left to right, and you have like arrows pointing back to what they're spending. And then you go, oh, okay, I see what you're talking about, and then you kind of build up from there. But um, okay, uh, so it's 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 really interesting. So so that's that's actually that's actually interesting. All right, can I ask you a question then? It almost seems like with Segwit Segwit enabled, we're still going to have an input, and we're still going to have. So, so remember, sig, sig types. Hold on. So, yeah. so remember you're gonna, though. Yeah, you're gonna sig hash types. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Those still exist. But okay. remember, Segwit only fixes this for Segwit output transactions. So this is another point I want to bring up. Honestly, when we're talking about Segwit right now, in the current context of the potential hard fork we have and a user activated soft fork for Segwit. So this is a very this is a PSA, and I mean people may agree with me or disagree with me. Uh, I get downvoted a lot, but I've never heard a compelling argument as to why this is not the case. So if we hit, hit a scenario where we have a user-activated SegWit soft fork with a minority hash rate, right? So we don't have a majority, supermajority, or what they intended, a 95% majority of hash rate for, for a SegWit soft fork. Then um, we have that. If you receive, as a recipient address, a SegWit transaction, of SegWit script type to a SegWit address, which if you download a standard client, you may or may not know that you've received because they will prefer those and they may, you know, depending on the wallet client, it may not tell you it's used SegWit. In that scenario, 
if you then if we then have a a hard fork to BU, because BU as written does not respect SegWit uh, uh, transaction types. So what this means is if you have one of these SegWit address transactions in in sitting there, you will not have your coins on the BU fork. They are not they are not on both chains. Right. In that scenario. Yeah, that's really scary. <laughs> it's very, very scary. And, and this is the thing to me is people don't realize this and nobody is calling this out. It, this is very I dangerous. Mean, it really makes me happens. like just want like the core people Pe- to just do compromise just a little bit to make Veer not do crazy shit. Well, this isn't this isn't Veer doing crazy shit. I don't know. Because this, that's- <laughs> this was written before and it was it. this is a consequence of the way they chose to implement SegWit as a soft fork. Because what they did is they created and anyone can spend a transaction. They said hey, that's okay, the nodes will enforce it. Well, that's not the case in the hard fork. In, in the case of the hard forks, the nodes don't enforce crap. And if, you're, if you put everything in and anyone can spend transaction, then a miner will spend it. If it comes up on the BU chain, it, it, it's the only rational move to do. I mean, I, yeah, they, they have no reason not to. So, so, but here's the thing. If they don't believe in that. So this crap. is what that whole scenario works out to, is because of that scenario exists, if we have a user-activated soft fork to segwit what that amounts to is an ever-increasing bounty on a bu hard fork right, right because you're you're literally putting up every time somebody puts that's more, true that's true every time somebody and, puts and more know, money in a segment no, no, UTXO, no, here's the deal they're saying hey i will give you this much on the other chain yep. if yeah. you do a hard fork right and, so and it, it actually incentivizes and it, it has no like aspect of like benevolence because if you don't do it he will it's, so well, no, i might yeah. as well too it's true yeah. so here's the yeah. thing it goes to the first miner that hard forks the first miner right, gets right. it exactly. all <laughs> yeah, let me, that's that's a really good point mike can i can i bring up something that i feel is uh, a vital importance to the community uh regarding this hard not I, I'm, it's dovetailing in what you're saying yeah let's is, please do is this concept that uh people have been glossing over but they haven't really talked about the technical aspects of this and it's the uh the replay attacks Oh yeah, yeah. Um, this is super dangerous, right? Because here, I would have thought f- we would have learned our lesson from oh, ETH man. ETC because fuck. <laughs> okay, if you're listening to this, please spread this uh, spread this technical information far and wide to people. Um, people have been saying, "Don't worry, if there's a hard fork, you're going to have coins on both chains." Which double you- coins? Yeah, yay! Like two Raja cr- giving us double as one coin. You don't send two them anywhere. Christmas you're fine. is yay! No, no, it's not good. <laughs> I can't wait to be a thousandaire. <laughs> so uh, here's what's going to happen, though. Okay, so you're going to have pre-forked uh, coins, right? You're going to have UTXOs that are that are on the pre-fork, right? The first time you go and spend those coins, uh, you better be damn sure that whoever's taking those coins in exchange for whatever you're buying is going to be credit is basically going to be a good guy and uh, and dealing with both. Of you know, crediting on both chains, yeah. If not more than two chains, so, like if there's more than, because uh, people don't realize that you can have a fork, which doesn't mean necessarily two things. It could be more. It's just more than one thing. There could be three, uh, three chains, or it could be four chains, or it could be two chains. So you know, this, we don't this know, goes right? with the standard standard no knowledge is never ever ever let anybody hold on to your private keys. Right. So you here's, hold your uh, own shit. Here's what's gonna <laughs> happen: the first time you use your coins. With a uh, merchant processor or an exchange or whatever, and they don't participate, they say, "Hey, listen, we're not going with this. You know, we can we don't like BU, so we're going to consider them an altcoin, right?" And so they're going to take your your uh, your BTC, your core coins, in exchange for whatever they're selling, 
and they're then uh, unbeknownst to you, they're gonna take uh, you're gonna take your their BTU that you have because you you know your wallet's not gonna know the difference. It's gonna send a transaction to both chains. They're gonna take your BTU coins and they're gonna sell them off and they're gonna take the profit and they're gonna they're gonna scam you out. So so to be safe, and these are my instructions to be safe. Correct me if I'm wrong because I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about half the time. But so what you can do is don't spend anything. If in the event of a fork, don't spend anything. What you do, huddle, huddle. No, 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 no. What you do is you you take you get a client for each one of them. So get a BU client and get a core client. And on your BU client, send yourself all of your Bitcoin, and then go to your core client, and then send yourself to a different address all of your Bitcoin. I mean, it's kind of in the same wallet. Just say, hey, I want a new address, and then send it that address. It's kind of it's kind of what Ethereum did, right? Well, yeah, it's exactly like it's what they, they, it's what they if, recommended. If you successfully do that, then they're now unlinked because they're they're on two different chains and two different addresses, so you can't replay the other chain. But um, but somebody could, in the interim, perform a relay attack. But remember, if they do, they're just sending it to yourself. So you just have it to an address you control on the other chain. As long as you have the private key generated for both. Yeah, I'm just concerned that people are going to get. Uh, this is whatever. not for the novice. Yeah. I will say that this is not for the novice. So just yeah. if you're a novice, just you know, batten down the hatches and hold. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Yeah, this is not good. It's not good. And so uh, BU, they came into BitPay and they gave us a presentation and all that. And they had like a, a laundry list of things they're going to do to prevent replay attacks. We'll double and, your coins. And every single one of their. <laughs> That's what that was um, part of their marketing, right? No, what they said is they said something that I just don't, I can't get on board with. They're like, oh, what we're going to do is we're going to, uh, every miner that we have control over, you know, they, I guess they think that they have control over the, all the miners has out there. control over the miners. They think, That's okay, what we're going to do is they're going to take part of their hashing power and they're going to, uh, they're, they're basically going to dedicate that to basically overpowering the other chain and base and uh, putting empty bl- mining, any block that gets mined on the other chain. Putting that on top of empty blocks, so miners orf- totally can do it. There is no guarantee that they will. I don't. There's, <laughs> there's no guarantee. That sounds really far. Well, okay. So, so it's, again, everything's a game of incentives. What is their incentive to do that um, necessarily when they could devote their hashing power to making more on the the, the chain that they believe is going to be the winner? Right. I just. I mean, it's a lot of moving yeah. parts there that just don't really. That that to me that boils down to perception of the miner. They could perceive it that way, or they could not. They could say, "Hey, my interests are best served by actually fucking mining." You know, if if you take the Ethereum uh, case uh, as an example, which I don't know if the, it's, it's certainly not completely analogous, but what the Ethereum miners did is they said, "All right, well we'll per- we'll mine on the proportion that there is a split. So if it's seventy thirty, uh, with you know ETH core being the seventy. We're going to devote 70% of our power to the ETH core and 30% to the Man, classic. that sounds... Man, I, I can't see that happening in Bitcoin. That's I a little, see, little, little kumbaya for Bitcoin. Um, yeah. So so but here's the thing. Well, the interesting thing. So the scenario that I laid out, the kind of, oh my God, holy shit, fun stolen scenario is if SegWit user-activated software happens first, which you know they're pushing for a lot of them. And I noticed the core devs have been extremely silent on UAS. <laughs> I, just, they, I don't see the. I they have not it. said anything about it positive. Now I've heard I've heard them talk about a hard fork to another mining algo, but they have not said anything about UASF. That's all pushed by a Litecoin guy, Shalom Fry. But like so so, but that's the other scenario. The other scenario is if BU goes first. If BU goes first, you have a hard fork. So now you have two chains. Well, there's a 
good chance the core chain is going to die off if BU has a significantly vaster amount of, of power right. uh, in hashing. So what will happen then, likely, is you will see B, uh, B Bitcoin Core, BC, whatever, it will fork into its own and change the mining algo so it can stay alive. Now, if that happens for a brief period of time, we will have three Bitcoins. Right. Three. Well, let me I ask can't you wait to coins. triple my coins. I, I thought I was just going to get lucky by doubling my coins, but to triple my coins? Yay, three Christmases. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I, mean, can we, I mean, this is just getting better. And better. I, let me, I can't let me wait. ask Mike, let me ask you guys a question. Um, if um, do you know who said the uh, that they would change the proof of work accuracy? You know, Luke exactly. Junior. Yeah, he's been saying that a lot. He's also oh, he, kind of well. A he's said that for years. Um, and, and you know, I remember I actually had a back and forth with him a long time ago, and because he, he brought that up over something, and I was like, hey, let's save that for when they try to increase the block the uh, supply over twenty one million. Then let's talk about doing that. But seriously, short of that, fuck that. You know, I, I don't think that they're. I don't think that's a serious. Uh, cons- you know, I don't think that they. Would. Trump is president. Who knows? I don't know. I'm I don't just know. saying. I don't I'm saying I'm... Donald J. Trump is our president now. So, so just... we could go with a proof of work switch, right? Yeah. I, I, no, no. What I'm saying is, actually, people what... didn't think that was possible. Oh. Okay. And it's possible, <laughs> and it happened. So. I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm more worried about the um, that BU is such poor quality software that they'll actually have to switch back to core when they realize that they're you know they're being exploited left and right and or crashing. It's going to be really hard when core is dead. I mean, like, what do you mean dead? Well, I mean, if they if they do do a, well, okay. So so imagine uh, the majority hash rate kills off the minority hash rate chain. So, what are you talking about when you say go back to core? Is the new Bitcoin Unlimited chain now moves control back into core? Is that what you're talking about? Um, yeah, that they okay. will basically say, okay, screw this. Like, this is crashing and we're being attacked and this is poor quality software. We got to do something. Oh, that, that may very well hey, happen. Can I, I don't know. Is it- <laughs> hey, Chris, can I ask you a question? Do you remember the big move uh, that never happened to XHTML? Do you remember that? Uh, yeah, I remember. It's Back like, what, in 2008. Yeah, I remember that. So there's like, or 2007 maybe. I, it, was, it was a while back. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, about 2007. XHTML had a big push and it never took off. And does that kind of remind you of like Bitcoin XT and all these like things that never really are, are going to like take over? I mean, obviously there's HTML5, but that's kind of like a consensus. Like, like, what do you think? Like, What's your what's your gut tell you about BU as far as like do you think they're really going to take off? Are you even no, worried about that? No, I'm not worried about it. Okay, all right. Like, Just curious. Do you I, think it, would you compare it to like an XHTML kind of deal, like where it's like a lot of people are behind it, but it's never going to take off? No, XHTML is actually decent software. So. <laughs> Well, how I mean, come? How come? So, so let me ask you a question. There how come were alternatives X- to CPIP that were way better too. Well, no. I mean, I'm, well, I mean, but I'm asking, like, how come XHTML never took off? I don't know. That's a good question. I don't. I hadn't really ever thought about but, it. No, no. Think about it like this. Let's say, let's say, uh, someone was pro uh, Bitcoin Unlimited because they thought it was great software, even though it might not be. Let's just say, from their point of view, it is. Like, I, I mean, wouldn't you say like it's kind of? I don't know. Like, I'm just thinking. Like, like, are there any comparisons we can look at as far as other technologies and other, like, kind of protocols and stuff as far as, like, stuff never taking off that 
you know, some of these, like, fork ideas as far as protocols and stuff. I don't I, know. I always, like, think of, uh, you remember the days, this is probably before your time, you remember the Betamax? Was uh, it, was it before? Oh, was it before? VHS Betamax. Yeah. So that, yeah. You, I was born in have 1997. You, have so you anything heard of Betamax? Okay. Have you ever heard of Betamax? Was that before 1997? Okay. So. There's so, a lot of times that, that inferior technology actually takes, takes advantage, you yeah. know, basically gets. Betamax was much better than VHS, but VHS was adopted as a standard and took off. It kind of reminds me of like Game Boy. Yeah, well, okay, uh, that's, uh, killing, 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 killing like uh, those those Game Gear, Sega Game yeah. Gear, and it had shit battery life. That was, the it was like two hours. Was, well, no, way less than that. But it was colored. It was fucking awesome. You could use it as a TV. It was it was really cool. My you friend guys, had you, one. You guys remember Sega Genesis, like the Sega yeah. Genesis, and remember the Dreamcast? Well, Re- way ahead of its time. The oh Dreamcast? yeah, yeah. But it never it never went anywhere really. Well, yeah. So, so had, generally speaking, the, it's what's popular that ends up. Okay, so it almost sounds like the first to the market has a big advantage, and then if something is better, it doesn't even necessarily take over. If BU isn't even it's better, then it's going to have a really hard time taking over no, it's, because yeah. it's not first and it's not better. It's not right, necessarily right. the first to the market though, and it's not necessarily the better one. It's the most palatable. It's the seriously. It's the one that gets into the retail stores with the, the the dollar price point that people want. That's the one that takes over. Because hey, you know, even though it's superior technologically, is it in? Is you know, they didn't even have WalMarts back then. This is the eighties for for VHS and, and Betamax. They they had Sears. Hey, do they have VHS in Sears for under two hundred dollars? Oh, the Betamax is in. Roughly once, you know, they they they're really sold out all the time, and it costs twenty dollars more. Well, let me just get a VHS then, you know. Yeah, and, I, I think of those things, and um, you know, I'm always on the. It seems like I'm always on the losing side. Like I was a big Betamax fan back in those days. I was like a super huge into beta, and then I was in remember the, Laserdisc. Uh, yeah, I was awesome. into Laser. I was into remember the. Would H- it be smart for me to I hedge against stuff you like? Disc. Remember the HD DVD versus the Blu-ray? Thing? I had both. You remember that? I had both. I was all into HD DVD. <laughs> I, uh, I was like, so don't like anything I say. It's probably like the opposite's gonna happen. So BU is gonna happen. Oh man! Like I mean, I mean, because I mean, because I mean, you have a pretty good track record of being wrong. Exactly. So, I so <laughs> I always like the opposite <laughs> thing. There is technologically like, I into, superior. Right? I was into Heathcliff and like Garfield took off. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah. I was Who like, the fuck takes Heathcliff over Garfield? <laughs> I was like, I was like all into like the opposite oh thing. <laughs> Sorry, man. <laughs> it's just like. All right, guys. Well, you heard it here first. BU will be taking off. Uh, so, so, but, well, okay. So, so I suppose devil's advocate here. The counter argument is, yeah, their development team is is lacking in certain areas but i mean if it gains ground gains momentum likely not the core team i can't imagine too many of them jumping ship but it will well, attract there will be a vacuum how many people how many people vacuum. on core will jump ship i don't think very many i not doubt many any well, no i don't think so okay think no 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 because nobody high profile no, the, no sure. because this is this is what people say Developers will work on the one that's most interesting and being used the most. Some developers know? will, not those developers. <laughs> they might work on a. They might work on like a different like classic version or something like that, or they might refigure, uh, you know, reconfigure the uh, 
you know, the core software they have now. So, so if they are to work on it, I guarantee you it will not be anytime soon. It will have to be after all the dust is settled, like two or three years down the road. And then, you know, they, they start to contribute again. I guarantee none of those guys are going to just jump ship and start working on this stuff. Although what I will say is nature pours a vacuum. So if, if the single largest by security hash rate protocol doesn't have enough developers, we'll see more developers pop up. I, I imagine. Uh, yeah, I think so. I think um, I, I just don't get why you know Roger Ver's current his his refrain has been because uh, people ask him constantly why why don't you support SegWit and a block size increase and his answer is always the same which I appreciate I don't like you know he's not inconsistent but he always says hey if you're in the desert and you need water you're gonna get the fir- you're gonna take care of the first things first you're gonna get you're gonna get fed and and Get some water, and then you're gonna worry about like, you know, scalings, other scaling solutions later, like the tier two and the segwit and stuff like that. You're gonna worry about yeah, that. I think after. his analogy was a haircut. First, you know, you yeah. get water, you get food, and then you worry about a haircut. You need yeah. a haircut, yeah, definitely. Yeah. But. Would you like another Wells? Oh, no. Would you like another one? Okay. Would you like? I, th- I think we're good. Okay. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Thank you, okay, thank you so much. So yeah. Um, so I appreciate that part. Is he's, he's consistent with the? All right. Uh, so I, so, but here's the thing: you you might as well think start thinking about this these tier two layers now, right? Because uh, I'm telling I tell you what these people like they don't talk to the rest of the uh, Bitcoin constituencies, right? The developer not not on the core side and certainly not on the BU side, right? Because these BU guys came into BitPay and they started spouting off things they had no knowledge about, right? They still, you know, they thought that transaction malleability is a big deal. They thought that um, the BU they, guys did. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't realize either that the transaction malleability is not. Well, a problem. that was true of both sides, I it's, guess. It's, but. What I'm, what I'm, the point <laughs> I'm trying to make is that is that looks like these all these people who are trying to plan software, they don't. There's a disconnect between what people want. Yeah, they don't go out and talk to the different constituencies. And I'm not saying that that BitPay or Coinbase is the most important by any means. I'm saying go around the world, go to Argentina, go to China, go to you know, talk to everybody who has a uh, you know has a stake in Bitcoin and say, hey, listen, what are your problems and what, you know what are you thinking about? What's you know get out of the whole thing and they just don't un- they just don't understand about hey, uh, you know maybe we should you know, if we want to increase you know profits you know. Or if we want to increase uh, the block size, it's going to do X, Y, and Z, and it's you know it's not going to do X, Y, and Z for you know very many people. Because I tell you what, you can increase the block size to two megabytes, four megabytes. It's going to get eaten up almost immediately. Yeah. Well, see, so that's the that's, thing. Is well, it totally well, hold on? How? Uh, well, I mean, I, here here's the deal. If you make transactions cheap, people will use it for other things than financial transactions. That and, is true. Until until it gets eaten up to where, I mean, if you make blocks big enough to where, wait a minute, you'll give me this hosted, uh, distributed, immutable ledger. I'll start putting like my cat photos in it, like every single cat photo 
in the world on it. You, you know what I mean? It, you got to be careful well, how big and how cheap you make transactions almost. And well, that, that's the it almost of, makes you wonder if there if there should be tr- free transactions. Well, so that that's the kind of argument. But the, here, here's the biggest thing that I would argue about the tier two solutions. Because, okay, you definitely need them 100%. I, I don't know anybody who's serious in the space that thinks everything's going to be on chain 100%. I mean, honestly... If you know what the fuck you're talking about, I've never heard anybody say, yeah, that's the way to go, 100%. So, um, but what I would say for Tier 2 to exist, there has to be some degree of uh, give in the block space on the core chain. Reason being is right now fees are high. Why? There's limited bandwidth and they can extract you know more fees. They can't because there's a market that says, hey, right. So if you go move into the Lightning Network, yeah, there'll be competition amongst different hubs, but they can form a cartel. It's pretty easy for them to form a cartel of, of uh. hub operators. Hold on. Bear with me. There is no outside competitor to the Lightning Network once that's established, except for on-chain transactions. So if on-chain transactions are there and can be used relatively cheaply, if the price of Lightning Network transactions gets abhorrently high, you can be like, you know what, fuck it, I'm just going to transact off-chain, and then the prices will come down. So the very fact that you don't need the block space, uh, if the block space is there, you don't need it. <laughs> yeah, I understand. It's uh, So you, we're, we're assuming that Lightning Network and on-chain transactions are sort of the main ways that people are going to transact using Bitcoin. Or, or well, or sidechain. Say, say you take chains, a, but yeah. the same problem exists infinite, with sidechains. There's an infinite number of sidechains that you can experiment with. Right, but they all what, have to be able to write back to the main chain, which costs money. So, you know, I mean, if you fine. can't that's if fine. you can't do that yourself... Here's what's compelling if we get SegWit. Okay, so we have these new script types that we can start activating, and you can get things like like hive mind you know with the drive chain stuff you can get that going and you can get you get new experimental uh we'll call them altcoins or extension blocks that you can have two-way pegs to, to right so you, so think about it this way say you're like oh man i really like that guy's idea it's gonna be a side chain i like it what i'm gonna do is i'm going to basically send bitcoin across to that side chain right and with the option of taking that same exact amount less a transaction fee which i realize is non-zero and i could then send that coin right back into the chain if i'm like okay i'm not feeling it right but so there's going to be a lot of there'll be a lot of these bubbles that sort of that take place on off the main bitcoin chain i think of them as like little pockets or bubbles that bubble out and some of them are just going to you know nothing there's this nobody's going to be interested or going to be kind of weak or whatever and those people are going to be like all right this isn't happening i'm going to transfer whatever's left back into the main chain and, but some of those are going to actually become a real thing. And you're going to actually have a long-term Bitcoin sort of tied up in these side chains doing interesting things. And that's that's what I'm really excited yeah. about. I just want to say really quick that, um, yeah, I, I totally agree. What I'm for is to have some limited block size and have some transaction malleability so you can have tier two solutions. I want both. Yeah, okay. I, I don't have a problem with that. Bathroom break. Start from there. I think we were just talking about the big blocks. You wanted to mention something. Okay, so... All right, I want to talk, kind of go. Uh, so first, let's off, get real. Y'all both saw the Jason Siebert interview that I had. That was kind of weird, right? Yeah, yeah, it I was, saw that. It was, uh, it was cut down. I didn't get to see. All right, he, so, he bullied you, I think, a little bit. Um. Well, 
regardless of whether whether you think he bullied me or not, the the part that I didn't necessarily like is he said it wouldn't be recorded, and it. So obviously, I'll we're both talking. I, I thought we we're both talking like you know, kind of like crap, you know, funny off the record kind of stuff, and I'm really surprised he uh, recorded any of that. But uh, any anyways, uh, w- w- one thing that I would like to talk about is uh, so first I want to ask, does do people at BitPay, and you don't have to answer this if you don't want to, and you can answer just for yourself. Do they want one megabyte blocks, smaller, bigger? What's their opinion? Um, I think most people are in the, in the big block camp, but they, they want SegWit. So um, specifically, they actually want what, what Mike, Michael B. Casey has been saying for a long time. is We would prefer a hard fork to get SegWit into, into, into circulation. But we'd like to have something called adaptive block size. And, Stephen Pears uh, yeah, version. Yeah. Okay. That's actually like my favorite proposal yeah. so far. Okay. Uh. Well. Okay. So maybe this is a back. I almost wish uh we had someone here from Blockstream or someone who was like really like like Luke Dash Junior or something. But uh. But anyways, they don't do shows really. I mean, yeah. they have their own podcast, but I, I don't think they interview oh, they do? a lot. Really? Yeah, they do. Because I, I saw Adam Back be interviewed on them on. It was pretty interesting. So and Eric Lombazo was another. Okay. Uh, so, so do you want to hear the math that I'm, I'm doing? And I almost want you all to kind of just listen to this math and, and tell me what you think. So I've done the math a couple different ways. Uh, you can you can look at the average transaction size. Or you can say, like, okay, some expert has said there's about three and a half transactions per second. And you can do the math going both ways, and you'll get about the same information, which is which is between 100 and 110 million uh, transactions per year available. So between 100 and 110 million transactions per year maximum. Sorry, per, per year. Maximum per year. So obviously, it's going to be much less than that because blocks aren't always full. Except now blocks are almost always full, so maybe you'll you will hit near that maximum. Who knows? But so so the the point being, if you can have a hundred and so many, you know, low hundred to to a hundred uh, million transactions per year on Bitcoin blockchain, how many people, uh, you know, should should be using Bitcoin? How big should the blocks be? And this is also to keep in mind. You know, this is for potential uh, Lightning Network payment channel clearing and and creation. So, with that in mind, Bitcoin. If you think there should be about five transactions per year per person, and I say five because it's like you know you can close out two, create two, and then either close out one or create one, which which kind of to me makes a little bit of sense in my own little weird way. If if it like that's kind of like my gut. If if you if you give someone five transactions per year, um, we're looking at about twenty million users max for Bitcoin, and that's only if people aren't like abusing it for other reasons besides financial transactions. Like you know, no, sorry, not even financial transactions. That's only if people aren't using it for like payment channel creation and and uh, and clearing. So, what's your opinion on how many people should use it? Uh, should be using Bitcoin right now. I mean, and I kind of wish we had someone on the other side, like a Luke Dash Jr., but but what's your opinion? Uh, I agree with... Stephen Pear talks about this a lot. He talks about... He, he's done the back of the envelope math on that. He, he says to have... To, to have the 
everybody on Earth be able to make like three to seven transactions? So between six and seven billion people? Yeah, three to seven transactions a month on there. I think we would need something like 100 megabyte blocks, something like that. And, um, you know, that's obviously like a massive amount of data, right? I mean, the blockchain has, to date, the blockchain has about 215 million transactions in it, somewhere around there. 200, 200 and change. It was like 202 like a few weeks ago when I checked it. So I'll just pad it up to 215 or so. So, that, so, so I, I would just well say, in all fairness, like a petabyte was like an enormous, huge, unthinkable amount of data two decades ago. Now we have ago. exabytes. Right. Yeah. You know, well, right. Well, just right. to be clear, with 100 megabyte blocks, we're looking at about 5 terabyte uh, per year to, to the Bitcoin blockchain. Right. If, if they're always maxed out. Yeah. So which, right now, which I think granted, they probably wouldn't always be maxed out, but about that. Yeah. And, and, and by far, our limit, most limiting factor in terms of, um, you know, resources is bandwidth. It's not really, you know, as, as that N squared problem, as we talked about earlier, is that is a big of a problem as that might be. It's, it's really, it's really getting blocks around, which is why we have like compact blocks now and all that stuff. So, we're, it's not like we're going to have to transmit uh, five terabyte blocks, you know, five, or five terabytes of data, um, in addition to uh, you know the normal P two P traffic. So we're going to be able to get around a lot of that. So if you so if your peer, what I'm saying is, if your peer gets a transaction that ultimately ultimately makes it into a block, you don't you don't need to ever transmit that transaction to that block if that makes sense. So we're we're going to get around a lot of that a lot of the waste that's going on right now with that. So, you know, we could we could raise the block size quite a bit without having too much problems. Uh, how, how many people do you think are using Bitcoin right now? And I want to ask both of you all this. How many people are using Bitcoin right now? Yeah. Uh, Rough, I mean, just your gut. I, I would say, well, what do you mean, like, have ever made a Bitcoin transaction? Exactly. Like, how many people have made like a Bitcoin under, transaction under in the last... Under 2 million under, have okay. ever made a Bitcoin transaction, I would okay. say. Okay, under... Oh, no. What about in the last 12 months? In the last 12 months? How many unique individuals have, have used so the Bitcoin I'll take that back. Ever, ever, you could say, you know, ever, if you include everybody at one-time transients and whatever, it could be as high as 10 million. But that's still ridiculously small. But, like, the um, last 10 months? The last 12 months. How, how many people do you think have used Bitcoin? Well, okay, first let's do the math. How many transactions could have possibly happened? That That's why I'm asking. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I have be, no idea because then. If, if, I, I, because <laughs> if 10... It, for instance, if 10 million people, um, and this is off the top of my head, right? So this math might not be exactly correct, but if 10 million people have uh, used Bitcoin, that's on average, they can make 10 transactions per year. If we're going off the 100 million transaction maximum per year, okay? So if so, that's 10 times 10 is 100, right? So it's easy math. Uh, so you're looking at about 10 million users, 10 transactions per year maximum for Bitcoin at the moment. No, no, I'm not saying at the moment. I'm saying have ever done one. But yeah, <laughs> no, no, uh, yeah. There's no way to know. I'm, yeah. I'm just saying for in the last 12, like that's what I'm thinking. Because when I think of this stuff, I'm like thinking, how many transactions per year do you really need to make with Bitcoin? And if you need to make 10, Bitcoin right now on average supports 10 million users. So, so that's not what I'm worried about, honestly. Okay. Because here's what I'm worried about. It's not about average transaction. It's about peak transaction. That's what the problem is. So imagine sure. imagine yeah, a definitely. scenario where we're on Tier 2, Lightning Network, and then you have some some rogue you know uh, hub operator 
decides he's going to steal everybody's funds at once and he's connected to like, oh, 100,000 people, right? And he decides, this, guess what? I'm going to fuck everybody all at the same time. And so the only recourse for those people is to close their channels with that person, right? So you're going to have 100,000 transactions, transactions coming into the Bitcoin <laughs> blockchain trying to, and guess what? They're going to drive up the fee network. So, so hold on. All this goes into this guy's calculus wait, 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 wait. before on. he decides to do this. He's like, how many people do I have to fuck over simultaneously to where it's less expensive for and, and, them and Mike, to let me, let me fuck them than to try to and, reverse and, the transaction? And, and Mike, let me tell you something. In my opinion, especially with how I see Bitcoin going, you're never going to have like this, okay, Bitcoin is currently using... Uh, one megabyte out of the two megabytes. I feel like it's always going to be near capacity of the block size because people are going to take up the free transaction space or low transaction fee space for other things. Well, I don't know. I don't, there, there, well, there hasn't been historical precedent for that. Because I know. Here's the reason. Here's the gut. reason. Okay. And I think you're right to a degree, but it depends because there's going to be a market. No. What all I'm trying to say is that peak transaction thing is going to really screw over people. Fuck yeah, because, it is. Because those blocks are always going to be near capacity. Well, well here's, here's the thing, though. There's not going to be like no, extra No, no, room. no, 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 no. Because you're talking about at capacity. So if you're talking about those blocks being full up with these other uses, right, they're going to be paying nothing, nothing, nothing fees in that scenario for these other uses. All of a sudden, guess what? They're going to get priced out of the market by somebody who wants to pay two fucking cents to close their Lightning Network channel. They'll be like, fuck you, I'm closing my channel. They're not going to be able to afford that because it's near free. Right? I, uh, I, I, I don't know. I mean, it, they won't. They won't. People it, using it for those purposes I, will I, not I bid it up. Think, they will not. <laughs> I don't think it'll be free. I no, think, no, no, no. I'm yeah. not saying free. I'm saying near free. Uh, what I'm yeah, saying is, is, is if it'll is, be interesting to see. Is if blocks are full, that scenario would drive the average transaction cost up to five hundred dollars. If blocks are not full, and there's there's you know say say ninety percent of the fees in you know in, of the transactions in block are you know less than two cent fees. It's not going to move it anywhere near as high. This is kind of like my... So I don't really have much more to add as far as this, but I do have one final question for y'all, and then I'll just listen to y'all. Uh, how many people do, uh, do you think it's realistic for Bitcoin to, like, as far as, like, unique individuals use? Like, how many, like, unique individuals do you think uh, should be using Bitcoin? Like, would you want to use Bitcoin? And then... How many, like, in the future do you want to use Bitcoin? I just, I'm How curious. How many in the future? Because personally, like, I want Bitcoin to be used by... I'm, Seven I'm to like, 12 billion. <laughs> exactly. Like, I'm like a Roger Vera as far as, like, I want Bitcoin to be used by everybody. But that's not necessarily everyone's point of view. So I was just curious what yours was. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I want everybody to be using it that can. Okay. what uh, What's what's BitPays or what, what's yours, Chris? I'm just curious. Oh, that is interesting because um, Stephen Pear said that we... That his company is is a bitcoin company but if there is another if, but if bitcoin drops the ball it will it will leave bitcoin for another coin but it but it won't do both right it will just say okay we're done with bitcoin we're going to ethereum or something um he said that openly at during the uh the bu thing so wow, he that, said wait, wait, that guy he is said like it, wait, that guy is the hardest of the hardcore maximalists i think i've ever right. known he's, whoa, that's whoa, whoa, fucked whoa, up but he's not gonna he's not gonna he's he said not, ethereum by name well he didn't say like Ethereum is his next choice or anything. No, he no, said he that, said whoever takes over. He said, like, whoever has the most secure chain and the most li liquid chain is the chain that he's going to be able to do, he's going to do business with. 
That's that's fucked up to hear yeah. somebody like that say. Honestly, yeah, because, that's a level I haven't heard before. Yeah, because this situation is not good, and I think you know to talk about um, how many people should be using Bitcoin. Um, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a good question overall. I think that um, if Bitcoin can't get its shit together and serve more people, then we have to look elsewhere. We just have to. It's you, you know you, you're putting us you're putting people into a, a like an impossible situation. If you don't, you know, if you don't, well, I mean, I mean, what about, I mean, and I want to add a little bit to this conversation. What, what about the argument that Bitcoin can just be used as a store of value and it, and it should only be used very seldomly? Uh, that's, that's fine. But, um, that's, that's something I was thinking about. I was like, yeah, as long as, you know, if we have high fees and we have these big whales moving large sums of money around between each other. That's that is okay. That we could probably deal with that, and we could probably uh, have a store of value. You know, us hodlers or whatever you call them. We could, you know, we could chill out and have a good store of value there. But if it if we get twenty years down the line, and I do need to liquidate some of my long term savings stuff that I've been saving for twenty or thirty years, uh, and I now elderly, and I need to you know start withdrawing some of that those funds because. Let's face it. Anybody who is a hodler, they're not hodling forever, right? They're going to have to spend it. Sometime. They're going to have to spend it sometime. No, I, think, if, I think you don't know the hodler spirit, actually, Chris. Hodlers for life. Well, see, that's the thing: but is what are the they going to sell it for? Are they going to sell it for fiat to the grave, or are they going to sell it for something else? No, but I, I, what I'm saying is that if if I have to uh, if I have to liquidate and it costs me like ten thousand dollars in transaction fees, you know, for my meager savings of whatever. Like that's not good. That's untenable, and it's it's not out of the realm of possibility that you could get to um, a, a transaction fee being uh, you know in the neighborhood of ten thousand dollars. So not, so, not so, so why so why was that a bad question then? As far as how many people should be able to use Bitcoin? I'm just curious because it almost seems like to me because I don't you, think it's answerable because it, there's no solution that as anybody has come up with not not making bigger blocks and not putting it on a tier 2 or tier so, 3 or, or side chains that actually is going to serve the amount of people that I want to serve. So here's here's my opinion on that that whole deal is um the this all boils down to what I keep saying is you have two options to take bitcoin with is digital gold or peer to peer e-cash one or the other. I mean, you know, and it can serve both but only if it serves both and i think honestly what what differentiates bitcoin as digital gold to give it the store of value right other than the other thing other than it can be used to purchase things because unlike gold gold has certain properties that you can't get in any other atomic element so you can only get those from gold bitcoin not exactly the same scenario you can it was artificially created you can create a brand new, equally efficient, artificially created thing that has all the properties of it, one hundred percent. It's just different, and and so Bitcoin, the only thing that it has going for it is its utility. And if you take that away, all the value goes with it. That's right. my two cents. Yeah. So I think I think I guess to directly answer your question, everybody on Earth should be able to use Bitcoin. It doesn't matter who you are. You don't. You shouldn't have to be a whale. You know, or like a big company and wanting to move five hundred million dollars in one transaction, you should not have to do that. Um, but that's that's where we're going. That's that's what's going to happen, right? Well, I mean, so so it seems like with the with the core side, what they're trying to do is like it's an all or nothing game. Either either they get nothing or it's perfect, one hundred percent. Everything's taken care of, done. 
But until then, it's just like shit. <laughs> right? Because, like, yeah, okay, I get it. When Lightning Network's done, it will be beautiful and perfect and awesome, and everybody can make 12 billion transactions a day. No problem. No fees, almost. But we're not there yet. I'm thinking that Lightning Network is going to solve all of our problems as far as trans uh, transaction amounts is kind of naive. Yeah. Because unless unless you think Bitcoin should only be used by like a couple million people, if you think that's the case, then yeah, Lightning Network is completely fine. Yeah. So so I mean I just like like I said I wanna I wanna give a talk on this and and do a website. I keep saying I want to do a website. It's going to be next weekend. I want to work tool, on this, but uh, you're building that does the calculations. Yeah, and and you know I want, I really want someone to call me out on this math if it's if it's wrong because I'm trying to learn. But uh, it, it just it's kind of interesting to think about, you know, because then you start thinking about okay propagation time, validation time of all the stuff. But you're but with Segwit. Validation time won't necessarily be an issue, you think? Well, that's with SegWit no. transactions, no. keep okay. in mind. Yeah. No, the, but the, the, the bandwidth rest won't is, matter. The bandwidth is the most limiting part with right no. now. So, just I would think more in terms of getting compact blocks going, getting the peer-to-peer network uh, mm-hmm. encrypted, you know, with BIP 155 or whatever it is. So, real, real, real uh, you know, quick. Th- thinking, thinking in terms of the, uh, the network and not really... Uh, Validation uh, hardware or memory or anything like that. I don't want to take up too much time, but real quick, high level. I, I'm familiar <laughs> with like the X thin block. How does compact blocks differentiate from that? Good question. Uh, it's my understanding that the former it works by using transactions in the mempool already and then indexing them and in pointers, you know, and saying, you know, include all these transactions rather than just saying, here, I'm sending you a whole block. So how does compact blocks differ from that? It's very similar to um, the point is what you want to do is uh, when a block when a block is mined or transmitted, um, you would only need to transmit like the Coinbase transaction or any transactions that are that you know the uh, peer does not have, right? And and the peer could ask for yeah you you call back for the stuff that you don't have missing, right, but it's much much smaller than the entire load yeah, yeah. yeah you think about it I've been doing analysis on that very issue for the past I don't know three or four months, and it's very rare that my peer does not have um transactions that I hadn't seen yet. they propagate across the network a lot faster oh, yeah than a it's very found. good yeah. it's very good like yeah. I could see um I'll get a block and I'll compare what's in the block to what I had in my mempool. And of course, the Coinbase isn't in there because yeah, it can't be not. in there. And then I, I, I go, why is why was this one not in there, right? And I go, I go looking at other peers, like I use 21's um, uh, node list, and I use uh, blockchain.info's um, thing, and I say, oh, so blockchain, blockchain got this one. So what I found out is blockchain actually um, originates a lot of transactions because they have a very popular wallet. Right, and so what you'll see is you'll see a lot of transactions that that uh, make it to miners directly, and they never really propagate very quickly over to to the peer to peer network. So right. that's another issue. Like so, so a lot of a lot of times uh, I have all the transactions I ever needed. Cool. So I think we probably should uh, probably yeah. get going. Wrap yeah, it up. Thank good. you very much. Our our guest host has been Chris Kleeschel. Yeah, Chris, we're gonna have to bring you on more often. You you bring a lot of technical value to our show. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank yeah, you. it's yeah. been great, man. Yeah, I really good appreciate you coming on. So, Mike, I think the nonce has been found. Yeah, and our blocks have been malleated. <laughs> Thanks for propagating, people. Bye. Bye.